Radio Universe. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. For all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Smile at you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! Woo! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, he know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there at Internet Land, and welcome to episode 284 of the Stray Shooters Available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacona, Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us here for episode 284. We got a lot to talk about. We got some current events, and we got a deep dive. So it's hopefully not one of our longer shows, but it might be, because we got a lot to talk about. Our deep dive this week will be on the eighth installment of In Your House, Beware of Dog, one and two, we're going to cover them both, <laughs> which the first one took place, I guess it would be a week from now, I have to record this on May 19th, but the, what would that be, the 25th anniversary of this show would be coming up soon, uh, as we record this, like I said, uh, so the first installment at least, and then the second installment would be two days later, the 25th anniversary of that, so uh, we're going to talk about all things surrounding the show, 25 of years. course. 25 since. years since this show. So, we don't want to be like WWE and call it the anniversary. I guess it's technically not the 25th anniversary. Well, it would be, yeah. Nah, it's the 20... It'd be 25 and 25th years. anniversary. Would it be? Yeah, it'd be 25 years, so 25th anniversary. It's not the 25th annual, like WrestleMania was uh, in 2009. The 25th anniversary of WrestleMania... The 25th anniversary of the first WrestleMania would have been... 2010, mm. but the 25th annual event was 2009. That's where they messed that whole thing up. But I, this would be yes, yes, coming up. Damn you know, we're recording this on May 19th. Happy Kane Day, by the way. <laughs> um, May 26th will be the 25th anniversary of this show. Yeah. Wow. I totally look stupid right now, but it's all right. Wow. It's okay. It's all right. Don't what worry. What a way it. to worry. start the show for me. You can edit it out if you want. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, we're going to talk all about that and everything surrounding the storm, the literal storm surrounding that show, mm. uh, that literally surrounded that show <laughs> uh, back in May 26, 1996. But we got some current events to talk about. We're going to start it off here with some controversy. Not only controversial now, I guess, but it's still controversial, kind of. Well, let's start it off with the fact that NXT made some releases today. Okay. Uh, some big names on that list. Vanessa Bourne. Jessamine Duke, who was uh, a fixture on Up, Up, Down, Down in recent months. Uh, Alexander Wolf, who was a, once a part of Sanity, now he's a part of Emporium. But apparently he tweeted that his contract expires next month, so... Not necessarily a release, I guess, more so just if they're not, you know, going to re-sign them. But the name that tops the list 
the most name, the name that stands out the most is official referee Drake Wirtz. Yeah, a lot of people feeling that way today. <laughs> a lot of people feeling that way today. But before we this, I, I can't skip ahead too far. Before we talk about Drake Wirtz, who is not our main man, Pots and Pans, I got to check <laughs> in with my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick McCone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to this weekend. My buddy's getting married in Cape May, so it's going to be the first... Uh, foray into the wild for me in over a year where into the wild <laughs> where i'll be surrounded by people all everybody fully vaccinated so a little you know comfort comforting to know that uh the people i'll be around for two days you know i'll be down there friday for a rehearsal dinner because i'm in the wedding so that'll be fun and then on saturday is the wedding and then sunday we have a mass for uh, my mother close to home so i'll actually be coming home saturday night so i won't be drinking too much i don't i don't do the whole drinking and driving gimmick so i'll uh you know have, have a good time this weekend i'm looking forward to it i've been in a wild recently and it's uh things are slightly different but they're, they're still coming back to normal like you can tell people are like putting this pandemic in the rear view they are the phillies actually <laughs> just announced you know moments ago that Masks will not be uh, required starting Friday at home games. So you, even if you're unvaccinated, you know, they're going to suggest you wear a mask if you're unvaccinated, but they're not going to enforce, you know, the requirement. So, I I mean, I hope we're on the other side of this, but you just never know. Yeah, that pretty much means no one's going to wear a mask at a Phillies game <laughs> for the foreseeable future. <laughs> That's what that means. Pretty much. Yep. And hopefully so, they stay off the field, but hey, that that helped us win a game last night. So <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a like different two story. Or, two or three fans running on the field, and the course of an inning, it's like, what is, what is going on? But hey, the Phillies came back and won. Hey, <laughs> whatever it takes, <laughs> by right? Any, by any means necessary, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's hot too. By the way, yeah, summer is apparently here. On. I have my air going on right now, so. Yeah. It's hot as hell. We used to have a weekly conversation about the weather. We haven't recently, but we want to bring it back now. It's hot here in Philly. I think it got, I think it was over 90 today. Wow. Um, Here's another thing. I will wear my mask outdoors when it comes to the pollen. So uh, I'm not spending 30, 40 bucks for allergy medicine every two weeks. Uh, just so I don't have to wear a mask outside. I'll just wear a mask outside. Until the pollen pollen season ends, and I'll go about my business. That's how I work. If you see people wearing a mask and you're not a fan of it outdoors, don't say anything. Just let it go. It's okay. Man. Leave them alone. It's okay. <laughs> if anything, not just for COVID reasons, you could probably still wear the masks in general just for germs. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because apparently this past season, this past flu season, was one of the lowest on record. And you know, same thing with colds and stuff like that. Because I'm like, hey. If you're not just breathing on each other all the time, maybe we don't spread germs as quickly and as easily as we did before. Hmm. So, especially, I think, during, like like I said, flu season, cold season, the mask should be a thing still. Um, you know, maybe you feel differently during the summer and it's hot and you want to get your, enjoy your newfound freedom, but don't throw those masks in the trash now. Or, or buy some new ones come cold season, something like that. So yeah, yeah. That, that, that should probably be and probably will be a 
permanent fixture in our society. Maybe not by the majority of people, because I'm sure people are just turning up future uh, mask off and like throwing a mask in the trash. But uh, and just logically speaking, it it works as far as spreading germs stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. Yeah. But you know who doesn't like those masks, boy? I have a good idea. You know who's staunchly against those masks? Hmm. Hmm. To the point that he goes to school board meetings in <laughs> Seminole County, Florida, railing against masks hmm. because apparently mask wearing promotes, uh, helps sexual predators abduct children and put them in sexual uh, trafficking, sex trafficking, and all that type of stuff. Think of the children, right? All this is coming from the guy I mentioned earlier, Drake Wirtz, who was officially released earlier today from NXT, from WWE. Uh, he's been there since 2014. I forgot he had been there that long. Wow. But Jeez. his run comes to an end and a hail of controversy. All you got to do is look back at David Bixen Span's feed and see all the heat. David Bixen Span has been uh, like on, on top, top of all of these it, little yeah. meetings that... Uh, words has been a part of whether in person or over like Zoom or something like that, where he is talking about these alt right conspiracy theories, uh, whether they're alt right or not, whatever. They're conspiracy theories because none of these things are based in facts. Mm-hmm. They're all mostly hypotheticals, even, and they're not even real issues. Like it's funny how people can get so hyped up for hypothetical issues, but there are real things that are happening in this world mm-hmm. that really affect people, like you know poverty or trans rights or you know whatever that really affect people, and they don't have a word to say about them. Or they don't care. Yeah, level on their priority list. Right. But these things that don't happen, it's like masks causing children to be abducted at an alarming rate. That hasn't happened. Where's the evidence? Right. None. Uh, Maybe, maybe, you know, he went to his church and found out or something. I don't know. Either way, he's been doing this in public. In one uh, instance, wearing an NXT shirt (laughs) or... NXT, uh, I guess, article of clothing. It was a, it was a top. I don't know if it was a shirt or if it was a track jacket or something, but it had the NXT logo prominently featured on it. And he's doing these things, and he's been so. That's one thing. Out in the public, he's been an issue for WWE, and you could imagine that also spills behind the scenes, <laughs> where he's pretty much been. Uh, uh, let me back up, backtrack a little bit. Publicly, he's been known to be a proud boy. Which most people know as a racist organization that's, you know, misogynist, among other things. Like I said, also racist. Uh, and then, of course, behind the scenes, you got people who are uncomfortable with these things. And he's been causing issues. And WWE, or NXT, I, I guess I could say, has given him, I guess, multiple chances. Uh, but they were at the end of their route. I mean, earlier this year, they suspended him. Because he's been doing all these things and getting in, just stirring up stuff. You know, mm-hmm. people, he was saying slick things to people of color. People of color just didn't rock with him at all. He almost got to a fight with one of the talent. Or they almost fought him, I should say. Because yeah. he probably said something offensive. And there's a story, the story's out by Sean Ross Sapp, who's breaking all this news. So shout out to Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful. Got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, he puts up a story. Pretty much documenting all the stuff that Drake Words has gotten into over the last year and change, where he apparently last year sometime, Triple H, I think before the In Your House show, which I think that was about June or July, yeah. which is around the time that the Black Lives Matter movement really like 
came to the forefront of the conversation in our country, especially after the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, uh, not the deaths, the murders of both of them. And um, Triple H had a big speech backstage talking about Black Lives Matter and how everyone from all walks of life, any ethnic background, nationality, and religious background are all welcome into NXT, which even if you don't think Triple H is being genuine and what he's saying is all performative, because at that time, there's a lot of performative things being done to show that they were, you know, you know, promoting equality. But let's say for give Triple H the benefit of the doubt and believes that he was genuine in his feelings, which we have no reason to doubt that. Uh, he, you know, apparently when he said religions, Drake Wirtz gets up in a huff, grabs his things aggressively and storms out the meeting. Mind you, this is Triple H talking. He kind of runs the show down there. It's kind of a legend, too, in wrestling business. Kind of just just without being all, you know, without everything else that's happened with Drake Words, that's also disrespectful to your boss. Yeah. You don't just get up in the middle of a meeting while they're talking angrily, you know, uh, without explanation. Uh, so that's just a couple of things that, you know, uh, Drake Words has gotten into. Uh, and, it's, and it's wild to think that before all this stuff has started to come out, until recently, like I said, maybe a year or so uh, ago, you really hadn't heard really any bad things about Drake Words. Other, you know, like he was a deathmatch guy who was apparently the nicest person in the world. Uh, he had gotten his life back on track, gotten into wrestling, created a name for himself, got to WWE, not as a wrestler, but as a referee. So that meant he was taking, he didn't take any more bumps. He wasn't doing deathmatches anymore. It seemed like, man, good for him, man. He found a good spot. He's got a good job. He can do this job for, I mean, I don't know how long because he's a referee. He's not taking any bumps. So you imagine making good money. And I personally had met Drake Words when he, I guess, I guess a year or two into his time at WWE when NXT had house shows here at the Tower Theater back in, I believe, 2015. And I was being walked around backstage by my man Joe Villa from WWPR. I'm not sure if you had any dealings with Joe Villa, Nick. Yeah, just uh, emails, but never met him in person. But Joe Villa's a good guy. He recently departed WWE in like last month, something like that. He landed on his feet. So shout out to Joe Villa. Big Jets fan, Joe Villa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was walking me through backstage, and one of the people I bumped into was Drake Wirtz. And he's like, hey, man. Oh, you're Vaughn Johnson? Like, he knew who I was. Which was like, look, I ain't no celebrity, obviously. But it's like, what? You know you know me? And he's like, yeah, man. I was oh, great. You do great work, man. Enjoy your stuff, man. Keep up the good work. And I was like, damn, that's dope. Like, <laughs> all the things I've heard about this guy must be true. Like, he just didn't know me right. from a can. Of, well, he did know me, I guess. But he <laughs> didn't He didn't have to say anything. He just kept on about his business. So I was, always remember that interaction. It's like, man, that's, that was cool as hell. And then you hear about this stuff that, from recently. And it's like, that's disappointing. It's yeah. like, damn, what the hell happened? Like, I think we know what happened. It's like this, the, our planet kind of changed. In the, because I think that was 2015 when NXT first started running house shows here or around the country in general. A little thing happened the next year called the presidential election. And, and Trump got elected. And, you know, a lot of people kind of went off yeah. to the conspiracy theory end of things. And maybe, and I guess Drake was one of them. And here we are. He is out of WWE at least. So I don't know if you had any more to add to that. Uh, I kind of said a lot there. I did a lot yeah. of talking, but 
Well, uh, you know, you, you said it. You met him in person. You had that interaction with him, which probably makes it all the more disappointing uh, coming from you, whereas I had no interaction with him. I saw Drake at CZW events and saw him in matches, and I even said before we started recording this that it really seemed like at the events I was at, like he was almost like Combat Zone Wrestling's John Cena to a degree. Maybe he wasn't the world champion for a long period of time or multiple times, but he had that respect from that crowd to where, you know, whether he was playing a babyface or heel, and I'm pretty sure he was just like a straight-up babyface at the times that I saw him. Uh, you know, and it was at the very end of his tenure there because, like, I didn't even remember he went to WWE in 2014. That seems like so long ago, but, uh, you know, I'd only been watching him maybe a couple of years in CCW, so uh, seeing him go there, and, like, I heard all the same stories you did. I never had that personal interaction with him but i heard the same stories where he's a great guy like good for him to land a job with wwe everyone was happy for him it's like oh he could have a nice life and retire comfortably and like he's that he's that dude and then all of a sudden i think it was last summer the first inkling i had when i saw like an instagram post of him at a proud boys event or something like that and i think matt morgan was involved too and it's just like whoa like what is going on here and then it just kind of snowballed from there and into what we now know him as you know like a conspiracy theorist guy that is going around pushing these conspiracies not only in the workplace but you know it almost is like oh great well now he's not working there anymore he's probably gonna dive full force into this conspiracy theory type thing and he's got time on his hands now yeah yeah so that that's gonna be and uh, the fact that he was fired can stoke his like anger and be like, "This right, is what exactly. happened to me because I was speaking the truth and blah exactly. blah blah." You know? Exactly, like cancel culture and all that stuff. So right. that's a, another thing to keep an eye on. Hopefully, you know people are smartened up to that. But like, I, I think we are. I think we've seen how this has changed, like just from last summer and how like he's changed. And I noticed he was uh, suspended recently. I remember reading, yes, he was. and then I noticed he was back on TV last night and I was just like, Oh, like, okay, he's back then. But now we get the news today that he, along with, you know, others were released. So, uh, he might not be the only one. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, they released a few just to mask that. Cause Drake Wirtz's release is not going to go under the radar no matter what they do. So, uh, I don't know whoever is trying to say like, Oh, WWE, like WWE can be criticized for a lot, but, uh, you know they're not trying to mask Drake Wirtz's release <laughs> to right right now with uh, all the other releases, but uh, and they typically don't announce like NXT releases. Like, they will right. announce main roster people, but they don't really like put up social media posts about uh, NXT guys and gals. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Um, so. But which is again, let me aside. Unfortunate for people that lost their jobs today. So uh, you know, shout out to all of you guys who are uh, looking for work now. Uh, hope. You know, all you guys land on your feet. Jake Wirtz, eh, he can go somewhere. But I'm like, sure he'll like find said, something. He's in Florida, right? So that's true. Uh, that's true. And he, I, I've heard he's already put out like you know calls to people that you know he's yeah. available. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure a wrestling promoter somewhere is going to book him because this is wrestling. There are no, there are uh, morals aren't necessarily like. Just flowing through pro wrestling, and now, like scruples. You know what I'm saying, man, imagine right. that. Like you'll be our biggest heel, come in, and you know you'll be the proud boy. <laughs> it's like, oh come on. Oh god, yeah. I hope you, he's you, not. 
I hope he's not wrestling no more. I hope he's just a referee, just for his own body's yeah. sake. He hasn't wrestled in years. Probably, he'll be, the, like, he'll be like a heel ref, like uh, Nick Patrick, maybe. or something. <laughs> maybe we got manager or something like that, and talking. Yeah, yeah. Because he he got up in front of those school board meetings, and mind you, they were like they were pushing for masks, and this is in Florida, and they're like, right, yeah, we should right. keep masks on for these kids, you know, you know, they don't they're not vaccinated, mm-hmm. and he got up there and cut some promos. He did. You know what I'm saying? He, he one, one of them, he was crying. Like, what? What is going on here? Yeah. Just how strong like, how, how far away is that from, like, performative? Like, maybe he's just, you know, trying to perform in, in that way. Like, are those tears real? Like, what the hell's going on here? Like, Maybe they maybe they were real. Or is he so far that's, gone? That's, like, it, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Maybe they, they were real, and that's the sadder part of it. Right. You know? He fully believes what's, what's going on here, so... Um. Yeah, people were smoking that Drake pack tonight. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Drake words pack. I guess I don't know, man. It's just bizarre it's stuff, bro. WWE, which is owned obviously by conservative people, including Linda McMahon, who ran for mm-hmm. uh, what was a senator? Yeah, I believe, Senate, or in a yeah. Republican ticket, and runs helps run a super pack. I believe down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the people that was like, you know, talk about, you know, the election was stolen and stuff like that. So, like, this is a company that released people at the top, the tippy top, are like probably, uh, I don't know if they believe in the conspiracy theory stuff, but they're, pro- they're probably a line, if you would do like a T-chart of things that they like believe politically, they probably agree more with Drake worse than you would disagree, I guess. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah. He was still like just not a good person to have in the locker room when you got a bunch of people no, who are like, album, no, I can't rock with him. Right, exactly. And it's like a hostile work environment. Uh, wildly criticizing people that get vaccines. Like that's right. not his that's not his, you know, boundary to, to say anything like that. Like we don't do it in public education, so why the hell would he get away with it, you know? In a also, company that has so 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 many people first of all and that are running vaccination campaigns you know right that's what i'm saying the company is promoting vaccines they are doing vaccine psas because at the end of the day wwe is a business yeah regardless of what side they fall on politically they are a business and they want people back in them seats soon safely and not only safely just just they want the governments the state and local governments to be like hey we allow 25 percent 50 percent capacity in these arenas they want that to happen sooner or later so we can start selling tickets again <laughs> so yes get these vaccines <laughs> like and here you are contradicting that it's like what the hell like bro we're trying to make money out here and you you going against that because you know if people ain't getting vaccinated that means we people aren't gonna be back in these arenas anytime soon right right but that's not the case people are getting vaccinated and you know maybe not at the rate that people would love but it's at the rate that the you know, it's a, enough that like you said we said earlier about the Phillies and you know, and other stadiums around all the stadiums around the country and arenas that there's going to be fans back in these arenas and stadiums, and pretty soon it's going to be like full capacity. Like that might happen by like next month. Yeah. In baseball, yeah. like in, in hockey and basketball during the playoffs, like that could happen soon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we I, I could easily envision a time where and look, this is just speculation. You know, I'm not I'm not in the, I, I'm not a uh, it's based off of just my uneducated guess, I guess, but I can envision breaking news. Oh, whoa. 
No, it's not breaking news. <laughs> I can envision maybe by the NBA Finals there being four arenas. Yeah, because that's what in like the cities two two months away. You know, it's gonna be in July. That's not right? even. I think the NBA Finals happen in June. Is it gonna be in June? I know maybe the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm thinking about, and uh, I know one of them is like could extend into July, which is rare because maybe you know, the normal seasons end in June. But I think one of them uh, was thinking, talking about July dates. So I mean, maybe could maybe extend. you're right about that. Yeah, they're in July this year, so we're talking about two months. Yeah. Because usually, I think the NBA Finals typically happen in June, but I think because yeah. they started the season a little bit later, right? Uh, it's gonna go into July, which is okay. You know, it's fine. But, um, yeah, but that could happen, and that's two months from now. You know, less than two months, a month and a half, right? Mm-hmm. That's possible, in it my is. my opinion. Yeah. So, who knows? But, uh, yeah, Drake work is going from WWE. Uh, a lot of people are happy. It's just. You can be happy that he's gone because he's not, you know. It's just, it's just odd because WWE they had to do it. They, I guess they held him on to him for as long as they could. I guess I don't know why they held him to him for this long, honestly. But he had it, to go. It's good to it's good to see that you know NXT maybe the roster is made up of people that don't deal with that stuff you know like they make yeah. their opinion known like this guy's spreading conspiracy theories it's one thing to have a difference of opinion but yeah. when your conspiracy theories are involved that's like a whole nother ball game so when you're spreading uh, they, misinformation they having it yeah when you're spreading misinformation that could be harmful to the public yes you are a problem like mm-hmm. you said you could be conservative and i'm sure there are wwe has a share of conservatives mm-hmm. but if you're spreading anti-vaccine anti-mass stuff which could be harmful to the public, we got issues. Uh, but moving on from that, leaving that in the past, look, look toward the future here. With AEW announcing today that in January 2022, they're moving from TNT to TBS, which is Turner's other, I guess, cable television station, Turner Broadcast Station. Of course, TBS is known, you know, Superstation. If you're a wrestling fan from back in the day, you know about 605 on the Superstation. TBS is not, like, new to wrestling, but maybe some people forgot about TBS. There's some people who who are younger than us who only know, who probably don't even know wrestling was on TNT back in the day yeah, <laughs> in yeah. WCW. Yeah, when they rebranded TBS very funny, there's a whole population, a whole generation that just knows TBS for that. Right. But before TNT, there was TBS, and then they moved to TNT and then with, with Nitro and stuff like that. Uh, but even still, when they was on TNT, they were on TNT. They had uh, I think was the Saturday night was on TBS. Yeah, and then Thunder and Thunder TBS, and Thunder right? was on TBS. Yeah, so, so that's when they stopped not, the Clash of the Champions. The Clash of the Champions were like that TBS special uh, quarterly, but then they stopped that once Thunder came because that was every week. Right. In addition so to the, Saturday night, so they had two show two two hour shows on TBS. Each week, which is crazy. Right. More than what they had on TNT. Yeah. Um, but so this is not TBS's first foray into pro wrestling, obviously. Uh, but AEW, January 2022, two hours, TBS prime time. And it came out, I think the president of T of, of Turner Broadcasting said that, like, hey, this the NHL does have something to do with this. Because uh, next season, the NHL will be moving to TNT. Uh, I think it's ESPN and TNT will get NHL's broadcasting rights, but they will have games on TNT next year alongside the NHL. Not the NHL, the NBA, I should say. Um, 
So they're going to be on TBS two hours prime time every week. And but also they're going to have a third hour of television, which apparently Tony Khan said they would offer uh, or the discussions that they could make dynamite three hours. And it's like, no, let's just have a separate hour of TV, which I agree with Tony Khan. Good decision on that. Yeah, uh, that will be on TNT called Rampage. So not sure. I'm, I'm assuming it's a wrestling show, but we're not sure how that's going to be compared to like a uh, dark or elevation. You know how this show will. I'm sure this show will be higher in the pecking order than those two shows uh, because it's on national television. But that show is debuting August 13th of this year, uh, so that will come on. I think I believe Saturdays 10 o'clock. I think that's a Saturday, right? It was. Uh... I thought it was Friday. Yes, it is Friday. Fridays, yeah. 10 o'clock. So you go out and watch SmackDown on Fox, 8 to 10. Turn it on the TNT, yeah, and you got AEW Rampage. So how about that? Also, apparently they got a little bump in money for this move. Yeah, yeah. Which is good, right? Yeah, I mean, you figure moving stations, <laughs> you know, they would... Turner would have to sweeten the pot a little bit because uh, right. moving stations, say, you know, moving stations, and they're adding another night, right. they're adding another hour of television. Right. I should say. So yeah, that that if you if you're going to produce another hour of television, that costs money. That's literally the reason why WWE did three hours of Raw because USA is like, hey, we'll pay you for the extra hour, and it's like, okay, and here we are, almost a decade later, and still getting three hours every week. So the same yeah. happens for AEW. So that's a win. Uh, apparently, TBS is in more homes than TNT, slightly more, uh, like a couple hundred thousand more. And they're also technically in more homes in USA, which, of course, airs raw still. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, like I, I like the move. I think it's smart. But my original, you know, my initial, I should say, reaction it's kind of like, damn, that sucks. Like, I like Dynamite being on TNT. I'm used to it now. They got the TNT title. Like, you know, it's just what it's about to be the AW Superstation is. title. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you they'll probably call it that instead of the TBS title or maybe change it to television title. But Yeah, just uh, make it a television title. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was getting used to it. And then I'm like, oh, man, like they have to move to a whole other station. I remember when Raw had to move to Spike TV uh, when it was TNN. And, you know, they had this whole thing, and then they went back, like the rebranding of TNN as Spike TV, and then they went back to USA. So, uh, you know, it's not easy, man, especially when you're still trying to carve your footprint into the pro wrestling landscape. Like, you're, you're still the number two promotion, you know, probably worldwide, but still, like, you're still cementing your product in that time slot on a certain station. Now you got, you're moving after two years just over two years so i mean hopefully it's you know an easy transition because they are going to tbs and it's not you know it's different than you going from usa to tnn which you know wwe did with raw after the ecw i think it was after their ecw like deal expired or ecw was gone by then so I guess TNN wanted wrestling, so they offered it up to WWE. And uh, th- this is a little different. This is uh, going from one Turner station to another, but you know it's probably going to be a better thing for AEW in the long run. But 
reading it, my initial reaction was just like, damn, like, kind of sucks, but in a way, probably doesn't in the long run. Here's here's the thing. I know some people might look at it as like, oh, the NHL came in and just got them, and TNT said, here, bye, and put them on TBS. But here's the thing about that. TNT... They could have put the NHL on TBS, and they didn't, so... Right, they put them on TNT, which I guess that's like their sports... Well, they have baseball on TBS, so it's not necessarily like their sports yeah, station yeah, TNT is. But TNT is where NHL and NBA are. I think, do they air baseball games on TBS year-round or just for the playoffs? You know, I think it might start at a certain point, maybe in September, but I don't think it's year-round. I definitely think it's like playoff or playoffs than uh, anything. They definitely have postseason baseball on TBS. Know that for sure. And I think some regular season baseball, like you said. But they, being on TNT would help as far as cross-promotion. You know, like we talked about before AEW aired, they're going to have Marv Albert, Kenny Albert, you know, all the people, uh, or Kevin Harlan, I should say, uh, promoting AEW during a basketball game. And now that's, that could happen... That could have happened during an NHL game, too. And I remember, what was it? Marv Albert said Chris Jericho's name wrong <laughs> during one of the... He said, Chris Jericho! And the foul! And, you know, <laughs> went right along. Wait, <laughs> it was Chris Jericho? That's, that's what funny. he said. You don't that remember that? Stupid idiot! Oh, man. That yeah, that's true. I do remember uh, that, but I forget, like, what exactly the word You just made the list! Yeah, he made the list for that one. But shout out to Marv Albert. He's retiring after the playoffs this year. So, uh, legendary broadcaster. Uh, just had a bad read on that one. <laughs> we all have him. I've had my share on the show. Uh, I'm sure. No, not you. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I said my, what did I say? The wrong date? What, that one time? Yeah, that was my fault. Well, I still read it. So it's my fault. <laughs> but, uh, but. They don't have to worry about being preempted by those shows or being a lead-in or being, you know, having those shows being a lead-in but running over. Because sometimes NHL games, especially in the playoffs, yeah. four or five overtimes. Yeah, man. It's intense. You know, <laughs> right. Heaven forbid that happens before an episode of Dynamite. Right? <laughs> so you go to TBS where they don't have, like, a ton of original shows. Like, I think TNT has a good amount of original shows. TBS has, like, the Go Big show. They have Wipeout, which has John Cena. Uh, Go Big Show has Cody, Cody Rhodes. And they have baseball, at least for at least a portion of the year. If not, I don't know if it's the entire season or not. But So there's less... They're pretty much on that network, as far as, especially as far as live content. They're on a network by themselves. Right? Where in TNT, there's two other entities, two big entities that's on a network with them breaking being news? live. Is it breaking news? <laughs> no, no breaking news. I apologize. But so they have pretty much TBS to themselves for the most part as a live piece of content, which, as I've talked about in the show before, is very important to networks. That's why they pay literally billions of dollars for it. It's a live element, it's a last bastion of hope against these streaming services, which for the most part don't have live, exclusive live, con- live content, live sports content for that matter. You know, except for like Amazon, they got the Thursday Night Football package this year, which they yeah. paid a smooth billion dollars for. Mm. So you got that. And I know Tony Khan apparently or somebody said that they they won't be preempted uh, by sports, but they, that can still happen with, if it's a baseball game or 
There's a little tournament in March called the NCAA Men's Basketball yeah, Tournament. Yeah, that's going to prevent uh, present. Uh, well, I mean. It could. The, we don't know. Usually before this year, games weren't usually played. I mean, the play-in games were on Wednesdays, but then they usually do like have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type format. Well, the and first it, round, yeah, but I don't know how they do specifically how to do like the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. Uh, the Final Four, obviously, is going to be on CBS primetime Saturday. That's usually Saturday, Monday. Uh, but the first two rounds, like you said, first four in the round of 16 and 32, I'm not sure exactly how. I'm not, no, that's Thursday through Sunday. But the round of the yeah. Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, I'm not sure how they schedule that typically. Maybe that's also a weekend type of thing. Um, yeah, I just had like, you know, I can't remember back, but that's just. I remember, you know, being at work and we would start, we would get hyped up on Wednesdays and then Thursdays, boom, we watch, you know, the games right, and the, the first round and stuff. <laughs> right. And I think, off periods. Yeah, I'm not told. I think maybe the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight happen over the weekend too. So maybe they won't have to worry about that. But that's still something that, like, you got to think about. Right. You know, maybe TNT made some promises like, hey, man, you don't have to worry about this because XYZ, like, we don't even play games on Wednesdays, like you just said. <laughs> yeah. So dynamite on True TV for this week. <laughs> no, you don't want that. And then you have the impractical jokers come out and be like, "Hey, what up?" <laughs> That's happened before, though. They had they, they've they gotten both the True TV, forward. right? Yeah. yeah. Who uh, dynamite? Yeah, I don't Pretty remember sure they got... dynamite being bumped to True TV. But... I could have swore that happened before. I can look maybe. it up. But I could have swore that happened before, like once, maybe like once. <laughs> uh, maybe for baseball. Mm. I don't know. Oh, that I, don't, been, I gotta look it up. October, September, October, probably. If that did happen. True TV. I don't know. <laughs> but so I, I don't know. Either way, it's a it's a move. They get money out of it. That's the most. That's a very important thing. Yeah. There aren't too many wrestling promotions. I'm not sure what the deal is between MLW and Vice. Mm. You know, that's a new thing now. Uh, I don't yeah, know if they announced new. whether. There's some financial terms in that. I'm sure there are, but I don't know who's getting what. But there aren't too many promotions getting millions of dollars for their television rights. I can tell you that. And it's fine. They get an extra hour of television, which is good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's an extra hour to promote your product. It's and like a magazine type show. That'd be cool. No, nah, I think that's going to be wrestling. AEW Live. That's going to be wrestling. AEW Live. Nah, that's gonna be, let's go. That's going to be wrestling. Maybe Elevation becomes that show or something. Like, that's a YouTube show. But they're going to have wrestling. It's just, do they have four shows of wrestling? Or did they turn one of those into, like you said, like a recap show? That's a lot to book. Four wrestling shows. It is. I figure, like, a Friday is a good day to recap what happened two days ago on Dynamite. I mean, why not? Why not show highlights the way Live Wire did? You just show, like, short clips and stuff of what happened Wednesday. Have, like lives interviews and stuff like that i mean like it could it could still do it um but i do wonder what format i just hope it's not like matches that don't mean anything i, I know they keep rankings and stuff but dark is way too long elevation i don't watch and that's like just my choice you know it it's not like appointment youtube tv thing you know for me and you know hopefully this new show on cable which i will be dvring you know hopefully it's worth it hopefully it's worth a watch and not something i just have to delete mm -hmm. we'll see. watching 
I, I'd imagine that um, Rampage will be the number two show for AEW. I would. I mean, it would, they would be stupid not to promote it as such. Right, it's when on, that's TV. on TV. <laughs> I do think a, a YouTube show is a good idea. Oh yeah, I guess I could definitely so much see talent. That. They they got to right. use them. Right, just not three hours. You know, every week. <laughs> No, yeah, that's 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 long. I mean, some people just had to miss a week, <laughs> you know. Like, and also, how do you do this logistically as far as when they get back on the road? Right, and I, that's why I think you know, get back on the road is key to where they won't be doing you know these three-hour dark tapings because that just adds to the live dynamite or whatever. And right. maybe they just stay in Daly's place, and maybe they do it a different night, and they have people that's come true. to Daly's place. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look during football season. You know, so. Well, Daly's place is like an amphitheater, right? So that, yeah. they probably have concerts back there too, or something like that. Whatever they had at Daly's place before the pandemic, I would imagine those would pick back up. Um, but I would imagine they would shoot Rampage before Dark, not before Dark, before Dynamite. I would be cool if they shot Dark or Elevation at Daly's place. And it's like you work your way up the ladder. Now you're on the road. You know, you know, you're, you're, right, you're, right. you're on the yeah. big shows now. You're on TV too. So like, and that be would cool, be cool because like you know AEW wants that sports presentation, and right. I still haven't seen it other than the rankings. But that would go a long way. Well, they, got, to, they got win loss records. Uh, well, they got win loss records. Okay, gotta give them credit for that at least. They do have win loss records. I'm not giving them credit for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Daily's Place does have concerts. They're going to Jonas Brothers at Listen, some point AW's this summer. AEW's got good stuff. I do enjoy their product to a degree, but for me, they're still not different than WWE. They, they're not, in my mind, like my personal preference, when I watch it, I don't see different than WWE. Like I still see the same type of stuff. So, right. I'm, I'm, I'm just Honestly, if you want to watch something to that's, like, that's different and that's on like American television right now, MLW might be the place to go if you want Listen, something. Listen, like I was a big product. fan of that before the pandemic hit. I, I would watch that every week, uh, and then when NWA came, like I would watch Power every week. So those were like the two of my favorite programs at the time. Uh, MLW now is they're they're showing like replays of stuff because you know once they start you know taping again, then they're going to show the the new episodes on Vice. But right now they're showing you know like replays, and I, I'm enjoying it so. Uh, you know, right. I like that but type they, of stuff. It, it resonates with me in 2021, and uh, right, they the have old stuff. So they got a, they got a, what's gonna call it? Uh, time limits. They got, um, they call them fights. They don't call them matches. They call them fights. Uh, they have like a, dra- they're gonna have like a draft where like each faction in, in MLW could draft talent. Like it's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I like different it. there from like you said, what you see on M- on AEW. Uh, that's doesn't mimic WWE. That's how you, you got to stand out somehow in this wrestling business. And then AEW isn't necessarily standing out more so that they have a lot of talent and they got a multi-billionaire backing it. Right. And what I, I don't do mean it's love, bad. It's still good. Right. But the biggest thing I love about AEW is that that War Games cage. Like that real that was so that was different than like a Hell in a Cell or a War Games cage. Like to me, that at least felt different. Even though some people might have just been like, okay, like I don't see a lot of difference between this and like what I've seen before. But for me, I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like I really liked that spectacle. So 
It's what I like the most right now about AEW. <laughs> Blood and guts matches every week. Let's go. <laughs> every week? Every week. <laughs> every week. Jeez. All right. Now that we got some good news out the way about the pro wrestling business, because it is good news. Even though it's like more of like a lateral move, it's still good news because AEW got some money out of it. So good for them. But we got transitioned to some bad news. Some unfortunate news that broke Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday night, and that Jerome Young, better known to the world as New Jack, passed away of a heart attack at the age of 58 Friday in his home in North Carolina. Um, very sudden. It wasn't like, as far as anybody knew, had like health issues. Um... And yeah, it's just sad that yeah. you know that happened. And of course, all the tributes come out because that's what happens when people die. And the one thing that a lot of people said the most about New Jack was that he was authentic. Because we talked about it on this podcast, the one, if there's a trait that is like kind of common among great wrestling, I guess, characters is that they are kind of the person who's playing it, but the volume turned all the way up. And that was New Jack. I don't think he was, the volume was ever turned down with New Jack, <laughs> right? With as far as his character. So, uh, what was it? It wasn't really a character. It was him. It was Jerome Young. Yeah. Who had multiple justifiable homicides uh, to his name. And it's crazy. We had just talked about New Jack on our prior episode last week when we talked about Palooza and him having the match with Bam Bam Bigelow and uh, the matches that would have the song Natural Born Killers playing throughout the match, which you do not hear on WWE Network now because of, you know, <laughs> musical rights. ECW did not have permission to use that song, but they use it anyway. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, it felt, seemed like he finally uh, got his life, you know, on track and it was settling down and then this happens. It's like, damn. But he lived a hard life, man. Like he, he was not, he was not shy about saying how much, you know, all the drugs he did. We talked about he's probably high when he jumped off that balcony at Wrestlepalooza, right? Uh, he did some crazy stuff in the ring, threw Vic Grimes off a scaffold when Vic Grimes did not give him permission to do that. Almost killed Vic Grimes. Yeah. Um, but he grew up. He had a hard life, man, and, and obviously part of you know drugs are part of that. But his childhood was pretty rough. Uh, seeing his mom get stabbed by her, you know, his dad multiple times and shot her and stuff like that. And all this crazy stuff that happened in his childhood. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago in that your childhood seems like the most important years of your life. Because they can really dictate the rest of your life sometimes. What happens to you in your childhood and the traumas, they can just follow you the rest of your life. And that's pretty much what happened to New Jack. You know, not giving him excuses for what he suffered, some of the stuff he did. Uh, but that's just what happened. Sometimes you look at that stuff and be like, man, that's that's probably part of the reason why he, the way he is. But, you know, for for all his faults or for all the things you can talk about, and one thing he was was definitely authentic. He can cut up a hell of a promo in which one of you, which you put up uh, the day he passed or the day after he passed. I think it was the day of, right? It was the night of, yeah. Uh, it was during SmackDown. Yeah, the night actually. of. Yeah. And he had a ton of promos, other promos he talked about. Um, there's another one I saw somebody put up where he talked about. I'm not even sure if this is an actual true story, but 
one of his family members who was a child passed away uh, or was murdered from a stray bullet while he was sleeping. And he talked about like, man, no matter how much money I've made, it wasn't quite enough to save his life. And he said, I called Mustafa. He's like, yo, Mustafa, we got to win these tag titles because I need to make money because I got to get my family out of that, out of the hood. It's like, if you didn't want to root for the gangsters after that, Jesus, like, yeah. you must not have a soul. Yeah. Or you're racist. Right? <laughs> that too. <laughs> but then, he, of course, he had promos with Smoky Mountain when he, you know, talked about OJ and all this yeah. other stuff, man. Yeah. And it's just... Wild stuff that pissed off a lot of white folks down in the South, um, for sure, and made them made the gangsters heels. But yeah, man, that's he, sad, he laid man. into it too. Like he he was loving all that. Like he wasn't. He didn't feel like at least you know he didn't say if he did or not. But like he he just wanted something to you know like it was vintage wrestling business. Like whatever it took to get a reaction. Negative, positive, whatever he was, babyface, heel, uh, he would do it. I saw a tweet, and I forget her name, but it was somebody who I think was a photographer, and she was at the ECW arena one day, and before a show, she's, she had tweeted that she took New Jack to, like, you know, a, a place to get a shirt, an OJ shirt. It was like a all it had was, like, a picture of OJ in the courtroom, and not guilty, and he just wanted to wear that to be like a heel or something like that night for the, Jesus the show. Christ. So, you know, that's what he did. Like just anything to to get that reaction. You know, like he he understood it from the start, and he laid into it whenever he could, which was like almost all the time, if not all the time. So, yeah, he was he was something, man. Looking yeah, back at these like he was ECW a- shows, I just don't like. I don't. <sighs> it's crazy for me to think that I was like watching that as like a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old, like yeah, get him, <laughs> you know, like you know, just thinking it's real, like oh, WWF, WCW is fake, but what New Jack does, you can't fake that. <laughs> you can't, you can't fake what he did to Mass Transit. No, unfortunately, no, no, which almost no, no. got him arrested. I mean, he did get him, I think he did get him arrested, but he almost went to jail or yeah. something like that. He got off with that. He, 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 I think he was acquitted or whatever. He didn't go to jail for that, uh, which was an ugly situation. Um, but yeah, he was not a perfect person whatsoever. All you gotta do is watch the uh, dark side of the ring on him for that. Uh, where he talks about, you know, he wanted to his last, spend his last days in the wheelchair doing cocaine, giving people the middle <laughs> finger. And like, Jesus. How about that? Like, um, get, being able to get that dark side of the ring, you know, episode done. And, you know, just like that gave me a whole, like, it was great watching that. But it's almost like, man, like, did he have to die so so soon? Like, after that? <laughs> and it's like, damn. Yeah, it's sad, man. I, and I can't help but, like, think about, like, a Nick Gage, who just got a dark side of the right. gun on him as well. Right. Who's also been through a lot of things. Yeah. And it's kind of like, almost like a white version of New Jack, or how authentic <laughs> he is. Like, yeah. New Jack was out here in these streets. He was a bounty hunter. He got justifiable homicides. And Nick Gage was convicted of robbing a bank. Uh, spent multiple years in jail, you know what I'm saying? But, like, has seemingly turned his life around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably sooner than New Jack did in his life. 
uh, got in good shape and all that stuff, and really, you know, trying to got legions of fans. New Jack, like not New Jack, uh, he had legions of fans too. But Nick Gage just got loyal, loyal fans uh, that love him. And the same thing for New Jack. People loved New Jack. If you, yeah. you may not. There are a lot of people who probably would look, look at New Jack, but oh my god. But like the people who love New Jack, they love New Jack. And the same for like a Nick Gage. You just hope that, uh, you know, it looked like, you know, the stuff that New Jack did back in the day caught up to him and it caused his heart attack. Yeah. And you hope that, you know, Nick Gage caught his, got, got his stuff together soon enough that he wouldn't die something like this too. So, you know, if that sounds right. You know, like, yeah, well, listen. I don't know. He talked about in his Dark Side of the Ring. He probably he said he said he's gonna probably die young, which is yeah, kind of a that. wild thing to come to terms with. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I just watched the Shawn Michaels AD documentary, and uh, you know, he did a lot of drugs when he was younger too. You know, before oh yeah, during his main event run in WWE, and during the main event of what we're gonna talk about and deep dive into later on. Uh, and that whole time frame, like he, in years after that, and you know, you wonder, well, is he going to be one of those, you know, statistics as well? You know, it's just crazy to think about that how how, you know, the lifestyle was back then, and hopefully it's not like that now. Uh, I mean, it, we don't hear that it is like that now, but you know. We also never know what's going on behind the closed doors either, unless we're behind them. But I just hope that you know the industry is in a better place and with the talent not not needing you yeah. know, or feeling like they need those you know drugs, painkillers like every night and every morning and all that. And yeah, so I, I actually watched the Shawn Michaels documentary today uh, before we we recorded, so that that was fresh in my mind. And you know he went through a lot of the drugs that he did and kept doing you know even have, like lying to people just saying like yeah i'm not doing that but you know, he still was so i'm sure he's not the only one either so it's just no it's a shame no. it's, it catches up to you at some point and it caught up the new jack last friday so rest in peace to jerome young better known to the world as new jack yeah. uh gone too soon uh but i hope he you know obviously he died suddenly but i hope he he found some level of peace in his life before he uh, passed away, because that's important, you know, to, yeah. to find that. Because I'm, he's, I'm sure he's seen and done and been through a lot of stuff mm-hmm. uh, as a child, as an adult, and that could be chaotic. And you know, it seemed like he had, you know, kind of things. Kind of, st- he, he was on cameo, yeah. to cameo yeah. and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And. <sighs> It just sucks, man. I know some people, man. There's a lot of these ECW guys. We talked about, like I said, with Dead Wrestle Palooza, a lot of these guys die so young, man. Talked about uh, Ian Axel Rotten, Balls Mahoney, Chris Candido, Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, damn. And now New Jack. Gone before their. I mean, New Jack is probably one of the older ones. He's 58. He's almost 60. A lot of those guys died in their 40s, early 40s, mid 40s. So, uh, it's sad though, man. It's sad. They lived that hard, fast life. It has a tendency to catch up with you. But uh, New Jack, he was—I tell you what—he was an electric performer, though. Like, and I know, like, I, I almost hate using the word performer when it comes to New Jack because it was like he was himself. Like, like. When he was cutting the promos, he didn't sound like a performer. He sounded like a real person 
from the hood yeah. that was speaking his mind. Yep. And no one questioned his hood credentials. He wasn't like putting on an act. It was like, no, he's from where he's exactly where he said he's from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you didn't know about the, the the justifiable homicides, like, no, no, he, no, he's he's his street cred is unquestioned, like validated, stamped, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he could talk his ass off, bro. Like, if nothing else, he could. You know, you may not love his wrestling matches or his hardcore matches, but that man could talk, bro. Like, that promo you put up yeah. the day he died was, you know, if you get me, uh, I'm going to get you back. If you want to work, we can work. If you want to shoot, I'm gonna, if you want to shoot, I'm going to beat your ass. I was like, and he's not lying. No, it was him. And then he, he, he just, like, looked back at the camera. He's like, I'll beat your ass. Like, you know, he let it resonate. And then just repeat it, you know, and he did that. And it, it was clearly, obviously, unscripted, like, man. And he's just such a great talker. Just captivated me with that specific promo. I remember watching it live on, like, Hardcore TV that 90, in 1998, and I was just like, damn, this is awesome. And then I remember it was the – I remember the promo in my head. So that's what I was searching for last week to look for. And it was literally the first result that came up on YouTube. I was like, thank God. Because <laughs> like, I knew exactly what I was looking for, and I was able to find it right away. I wouldn't have known what date it was if I went on the WWE Network or anything like that. So thankfully, YouTube you know, let us all enjoy that a little bit. <laughs> a lot of people enjoyed that one. <laughs> one of my favorite ones. Yeah, that not was my dope. favorite one. Yep. That was dope. And I, like I said, I said that was incredible. And it was, and again, if if you could take any anything away from New Jack, is uh, from one childhood trauma is a real thing uh, that people that you know need to really pay attention to and think about when people grow up to do some wild things in their life. What did they do in their childhood, and then how can we correct that with the next generation of children? Uh, two, don't do drugs, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, three, being authentic to who you are almost always works in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Almost always. And whether that is just to the wrestlers themselves, you know, being authentic to who you are works, or to a promotion like WWE, bro, which for whatever reason just doesn't do that with people. They don't want them to be them true selves. And you look at when did Becky Lynch take off? It's when she just started being more like herself, like more an authentic person. You know, got all the top stars and throughout history, with the exception of maybe like Hulk Hogan, which he's still, he kind of morphed into Hulk Hogan. He, he can't even separate Terry Belair from Hulk Hogan. He is that person. Mm-hmm. He says brother a hundred times a day, I'm sure. Like, that's just who he is. But like, you look at Steve Austin, The Rock, all those guys that made big money, that were top stars, that were even like Undertaker. Triple H, they were all, I'm taking it wasn't really a dead person, but like that quiet, brooding person, that's kind of Mark Calloway, right? They all had a slice, a big slice of themselves in that character. So that's what I'll take away from New Jack, man. He was raw as it got, bro. As raw as it got. And I wish that he could have made a name for himself with a, on, a, on a larger level. I'm not sure if he would have lasted, <laughs> but it would have been dope to at least have seen it. So, rest yeah. in peace to Jerome Young, a.k.a. 
New Jack. And with that, we'll take a quick break here on the straight shooters. But when we come back, we're going to deep dive and to end your house eight. Beware of dog one and two. <laughs> now that sounds weird, <laughs> but we'll talk all about it after this break. You're listening to The Straight Shooters, featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone, giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of The Straight Shooters at shootersradio.com. Yes, that promo was as bizarre as you think it was. <laughs> <laughs> that was the opening video package to WWF's In Your House 8, Beware of Dog. Took place May 26, 1996, almost 25 years ago at the Florence Civic Center in Florence, South Carolina. Yes, that was like the main story going into the show was that Shawn Michaels was apparently a womanizer, specifically with married women. <laughs> he liked messing with married women. And in this case, it was Diana Hart Smith, the wife, of course, of Davy Boy Smith and the sister of Owen and Bret Hart. You know, uh, so <clears throat> that was strange <laughs> and like kind of like. Didn't fit yeah. with anything else WWF was doing at the time because, like, maybe by '98 it would have fit right on in. Mm-hmm. But '96 is just like what? But very I don't know. strange for it strange. to be the second like story for Shawn Michaels to be involved in as champion. You know, he went into the April in your house with Diesel, and then it holds bar match, and then they at the end of that, you know, is when they planted the seeds for this, where uh, you know. The British Bulldog was outside of Shawn Michaels' dressing room during, maybe it was before the match, and everyone was like, what the hell is going on? And it led to this. So the whole story they were saying was that he was trying to get with Diana Hart, which was just crazy. I don't know why they would pick that as the second storyline for the WWF champion. <laughs> so Strange, strange stuff. Yeah. yeah. Strange, strange stuff. But... Before we get into all of the strange happenings surrounding this show, you know what I gotta ask you, Nick? Where were you in life 
around this time in 1996? All right. I love this question. Every week I love it. Uh, So, yeah, it was at the end of my fifth grade year. You know, this was at the end of May. It was, for some reason, I keep thinking of their May pay-per-views as being always on Mother's Day. But this one was actually on Memorial Day weekend. So it was a little later on. Uh, I was probably, I know I was out. So I had to be like at a family barbecue or something like that where, you know, we didn't go every single year, but sometimes we would, whether it be Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day, whatever. So I had to be at like a family thing. And I remember getting home and it was late, you know, that these pay-per-views started at 7 p.m. And I believe we got home like, you know, after 8 o'clock or something. So my mom had told me, you know, we'll order the Encore, and you can tape the Encore or whatever. So I was like, okay, like, that's great. It'll be, it was the first time that ever happened, really. And the I think these pay-per-views were still, you know, like two hours, and so they would be like 15 bucks. So it wasn't, like, terrible for her. So I, you know, got my tape ready and, you know, got home. I think uh, I remember turning – I think I turned on the pay-per-view – after she, I, she might have ordered it before that day. So I think I remember turning on the the channel, and we actually always used to get the encore. So maybe, maybe it was the fact that you know, I got home and I was just gonna watch the main event, and then I was gonna tape the encore because it was like already ordered. So maybe she wasn't on the phone like when we got home, and I remember. I, being very confused because you know it was the main event or whatever so i watched the whole main event and then when i I put the tape in and i was ready to record the encore starting at nine o'clock and we had the first match with no problems you have mark marrow and triple h no problems and then it cut right to the main event so i was like what the hell is going on like (laughs) because <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm WWF super fan Nick. So I knew there were other matches, there were like three other matches. And my mom, I got, you know, I told my mom, I don't think I was like going nuts. I, I was like, I tempered my like pissed offness, I guess. My anger. Your I anger? Tem- I tempered it. <laughs> You'll notice how I said you anger after pissed an- offness. Right, you went straight over anger. Pissed offness. No, 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 no. There's a word for that. Anger. <laughs> so made I think up my mom word. was like up in her room at that time, just like watching TV or whatever. And I was like, so the whole like the main event's on now. I don't know why. It was like 920 or whatever, you know. So I was so confused. She got on the phone and I think she had been told by the, you know, obviously – People all around the country lost their satellite feed of the pay-per-view. So it probably just went dark on their pay-per-view providers. So I guess my mom had said there was a storm or whatever. And uh, I was very confused at the time. I didn't know what the hell that meant. I was like, okay, so what does that have to do with, you know, it going straight to the main event? (laughs) You know, like I didn't understand things at the time. And I don't don't think my mom... (laughs) I don't care. I wanted to see Steve Austin (laughs) and Savio Vega. That's exactly what I wanted. So... Uh, yeah, I just uh, was very confused. I still taped the encore, but it was you know the same same stuff. So I only had those two matches. Luckily, I would tape 
I think it was for free. They would, they would, you know, anyone that ordered the pay per view got the Tuesday night uh, live pay per view second part of Beware of Dog for free. Uh, well, I guess technically not for free, but if you ordered the pay per view, you could tune in and you would get the the three matches that were not delivered on Sunday night. So I taped those right after the pay per view or right after the main event. So my whole tape was all messed up. I hated it. I was like, I wanted everything to be in a certain order. Damn it. And now I have, you know, Triple H and Mark Merrow and then Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog and then, like, all the Tuesday night matches after that. I was like, that was annoying. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, needless to say, I was a little perturbed. And on top of the fact that I had no clue what the hell they were doing with Shawn Michaels in this whole storyline, I was just like, okay, he's a good guy, obviously, so everyone else is a bad guy. <laughs> so, clearly, Diana's lying. And, uh... They're just trying to make Sean look bad and he'll, you know, return the favor. And so I was like leading into that, I, that the promo on Raw where, you know, Diana slapped Sean and then Sean was like, I guess we know who wears the pants in the Smith family and Bulldogs, you know, they started brawling. And I remember I was watching that with my sister and she kind of laughed. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. They both wear pants. Don't they wear pants? I don't know. I don't know what the hell that meant. And, like, what? <laughs> and I think she tried to explain it to me to where the man usually wears the pants, but I was like, yeah, but mom wears pants all the time. What the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> So, didn't understand the euphemism at the time, and that is that those are the things that stood out to me the most in, in that time frame of my life. Yeah, I was. I would have been seven years old, not watching wrestling at this point. Cause oh, no, it, I just, I just fell out of it. I told you, I've, t- I've said this before, where I just kind of fell out of it for a couple man. years. I, I'm sorry, I apologize, but I got back into it eventually. But uh, it's funny when I look at this show, and it's like the way WWF looked and the way WCW looked was almost like I want to say night and day. It was just you can tell WCW was the more hot promotion, more happening promotion at that point. And WWF was doing some okay stuff, but like, at that point, it just didn't though, look like the top promotion anymore. In May? In May 96? Yeah. <laughs> so Razor Remote would debut, you know, the next night on Nitro, which is kind of crazy Nitro, to think about. That's, that is crazy to think about, but Nitro looked like a more polished show to me. Hmm, interesting. More happening show. Obviously, the NWO hadn't been a thing yet. Like you said, Sky Hall didn't debut to the next night. But it just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the set Maybe it's got just me bullshit. for Nitro. I love this set, so I would always think, like, right. damn, this is cool. <laughs> and then you think about what, what eventually would happen with WCW, with NWO and everything else. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, WCW yeah. looked like the more, you know, happening promotion at that point. But besides Shawn Michaels and sexual harassment things, that got pretty much overshadowed. So, the reason why this show is really remembered, it's not anything that really happened in the building. Well, I guess it technically affected what happened in the building. But it was a literal storm <laughs> that hit the building on the day of May 28, 1996. May 26, 1996, in Florence, South Carolina. It was such a severe rainstorm, thunderstorm, that the power got knocked out during the show. So... As you mentioned, we saw a couple matches that happened live in front of the audience that night. At least 
that were televised, but all the other matches happened before no television cameras, and some of them even in darkness, like Steve Austin and Savio Vega. <laughs> so, <laughs> only two <laughs> matches took place in Florence, South Carolina, officially. It was the opening match, Triple H versus Mark Merrill, and the WWE title match, Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog. All the other matches, officially, even though they did happen, they did happen in Florence, and WWF, I guess to their credit, acknowledged the fact that they did happen, specifically during Savio Vega and Steve Austin. They talked about how they, they did that match just two days ago, and they're doing it again. But that match, Yokozuna and... Um, Vader and was there another match that happened on the show? I can't remember, remember yeah, off the top under, of my head. Undertaker, Goldust. There you go. Casket match, which is technically, if you watch this on Peacock, is the main event <laughs> yeah. of the show. Which I mean, it's a casket match. So it wasn't like it was a title. terrible main event. I, I forgot it was right. for the Intercontinental Title too. Right. So if you watch this on Peacock or WWE Network, there's no footage of the power outage. There is footage that exists of this though. That is on the internet, going like a Daily Motion, something like that, where you see Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler talking to people on like a normal microphone. You can barely hear them because the audio is all messed up. The lights are out. <laughs> and they're talking and they're talking and talking like, hey, you know, we're trying to come back and, you know, whatever. Not working. <laughs> right. And like I said, Steve Austin and Savio Vega wrestled a whole strap match in the dark. So... So, in order to make up for this, WWF said, all right, we're going to pretty much have all the matches that were supposed to happen on the pay-per-view. You order the encore. You can see them on Tuesday in the Charleston, North Charleston Coliseum in North Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina. So, May 28, 1996 was called Beware of Dog 2, the fastest sequel in history. Yeah. All right? You thought... You know, Hangover 2 came out too soon. Well, you ain't seen nothing when it comes to Beware of Dog 2. Okay. No, not necessarily. Because <laughs> they had like 4,000 fans in North Charleston <laughs> that, and on Tuesday, according to Wikipedia. That is. So, so, this was clearly their general Superstars taping. Because that was basically the set they were using for Superstars at that point. Ah, okay. And they just, they just made it into a second pay-per-view. <laughs> I mean, there you go. You do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they didn't want to give refunds back. And they said, "We'll give you free free wrestling." <laughs> hey, I mean, look, I think it was. I don't think it was a. Uh, I think it was handled well. Yeah. About yeah, WWF. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's unforeseen circumstances. I mean, they acknowledged during, I believe, the opening match that there was a storm. Yeah. And that. Yep. Uh, Vince said it like, "Hey, the broadcast is interrupted. We won't be gone for too long." <laughs> we won't yep. see it for the next two days <laughs> uh, you can't tell mother nature what to do so they knew there was a storm in the area and it might knock out the power but I guess they just didn't think it would be that bad like you said we're only going to be gone for a little bit and we'll be back but not quite so but we got the show here we start off the show we got Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler on the call Vince McMahon is yelling through his intro like he is wont to do <laughs> you know uh, he's always, ah, oh, you heard it, you know, in the promo there. The World Wrestling Federation champion, Shawn Michaels. Ha, ha, ha. And he's laughing and all that. He was louder than that, this McMahon. Uh, 
And, and Jerry Lawler says, you know, Shawn Michaels had to convince the world that he wasn't a womanizer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, Which, in on. reality, he probably was. Yeah. Let's not forget yeah. that Shawn Michaels was having, I, I don't know if you could have called it an affair from his standpoint. It was a definitely an affair from Sonny's standpoint. They had yeah. a whole relationship with Sonny while she's with Chris Candido, while Chris Candido was in the WWF locker room, uh, part of the Body Donnas, including uh, taking a trip to Jamaica with Sonny while she was with Candido. Like, Man. So it wasn't like uh, Shawn Michaels was a uh, an angel by any stretch of the imagination. That has been well documented over the years. So I found that funny. This was about Shawn Michaels' morals, which... Even he probably would admit, like, I didn't have a whole lot of them back in 96. <laughs> like, <laughs> Imagine him as the babyface boyhood dream champion. They're like, yeah, so what? She wanted it. Why not? <laughs> that oh, would have yeah. gone over Look, too well. So, No. No. But here we are. Beware of dog one. <laughs> and your opening <laughs> match is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Versus Mark Merrow. Funny thing about the this, wild man, the wild man Mark Merrow, who came out with Sable's music. I don't care what nobody say. That's still always going to be Sable's music. Uh, <laughs> it fit much better for Sable than it did for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a week prior, actually this day, I guess we're here on the 25th anniversary of, I believe, the curtain call. Yeah. Yeah, May 19th. I believe so. What's that? May 19th, yeah. Yeah. So as we see here on the 25th anniversary of that, so <laughs> Triple H is a week removed from that as we get here on this show. Okay? Which means he is firmly in the doghouse by this point. He is just beginning his time in the doghouse. Not Road Dog's doghouse. Not that doghouse. Not the good one. But, like, the doghouse where he's going to be losing matches for quite a long time. And he's going to he's be stripped of his opportunity to win the King of the Ring tournament. Oh, no. Which set in, you know, set in uh, motion a chain of events that really changed the wrestling business. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm pretty sure if you know anything about Stone Cold Steve Austin's career, you know about this. But for those that for some reason don't know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. <laughs> Uh, the whole thing about this this match was that, you know, Sable for like a night, which I believe was at WrestleMania, uh, she was with Triple H as his valet. She's she, no longer his valet. She's with her husband at this point, or I, I believe they were married or they were together, Mark Merrow. Uh, and Mark Merrow's in the back looking crazy. Like he's just, you know, what did we call it back in the day? Maniacism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mani- we'll call it that. Maniacism. Yeah, we'll call it that. And he says, welcome to the jungle. Because he's the wild man. He's from yeah, the jungle. He's yeah. like Tarzan, essentially. Yeah. I guess. So he's I had know. two uh, Johnny... He's, he's had two Little Richard type uh, gimmicks thrown at him. One by WCW and then one by the WWF. <laughs> I guess. Because it's a Little Richard? I guess. I don't know. He's like... I, the I wild man like a Tarzan. Rock and roll, man. Oh, well, I guess. But I think Did they... come out? They didn't come out and say it. I think they just said that but then it's like ah oh, the jungle they added that in just so there was yeah. no maybe no legal issues i don't know 
But Little Richard uh, was so, a wild man of rock and roll, so. That's fair. And they look alike. that much. So. <laughs> they did look alike. That's why I became trying to be bad and yeah. WCW. That's what I much. always put two and two together. I assume they call him the wild man because of the Little Richard stuff, so. You probably got a point there, but. Uh, Mark Merrill, in all honesty, all jokes aside, I think he was underrated as a talent. Uh, I thought he was very athletic. I mean, he was like the high flyer of his day, which is wild to think about now because he was like pretty jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like yeah. a luchador. No, he skipped or, like, like, doing, like a lot. <laughs> I guess, but, he, you know, when you're a Golden Gloves boxer, I guess you're not so worried about your legs as much, but... <laughs> But that's, that's my point, though. He's a Golden Gloves, Gloves champion, and he was, like, the high flyer for that time period. I thought things didn't work out for him in the long run as far as wrestling, but I think if you were to take Mark Merrill and put him, like, somehow put him in a time machine and bring him into 2021, I think he could be a, a guy on the roster that can be a, a probably upper mid-card guy. Am I, am I tripping? No, I liked him in this era. I didn't like him after his injury. I thought they kind of messed with him a little bit, and I just don't think he was the same. But this era, Mark Merrow, absolutely. I thought he was talented. Maybe I mean, he was kind of over in WCW. I thought he was more over in WCW than what he was in WWF. I think <sighs> this and his commentary didn't help Mark Merrow. Yeah, and... I guess you know, Sable took a lot of the attention away too, and that, they yeah, that started pushing that. And uh, right. good for her, but at the same time, uh, you're you're gonna have Mark Merrow like come out without Sable, and he'll get booed. You know, that's how over Sable yeah. was. So she was Which, you know, mean, just as part of his gimmick as he was. To WWF's credit, they eventually turned him into a heel, tried to get some heat from it, but it just didn't work. You know, work in the long run. Yeah. But I thought he had a good run going for himself in WCW. I think he's like TV champion or something like that. Um, yeah. Or U.S. champion. One of those. He, he didn't win the world title. I obviously, think he was but, TV champ. I think I read about that. Right. So. Um, but this match, Triple H worked over Merrill's shoulder a lot. Um, and then Vince McMahon, you know, is yelling his way through the match. But, of course, King spends most of his time talking about how ugly Sable was, which I... <laughs> I get he's a heel, but geez, we gotta we gotta stick to some type of reality yeah, at some yeah. point. <laughs> like, and how pretty the woman that came out with Hunter was, and you know she was sitting next to him, but she clearly was just like, "Please stop talking." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was bizarre, bizarre very stuff. Much, very you, much. You go back through these shows through the years, and you hear Jerry Lawler's commentary, and it's like, how? Why? Why was he so yeah. weird? Like on I, commentary, like I mean, what, I don't know. When I was a kid, I used to think Jr. and King was like the best, and now it's like just Jr. I guess <laughs> King was okay. King would have his moments, but for the most part, he was just like, "What? What the hell are you talking about, King?" Yeah. And now he's I I, I can go. I don't have to listen to him ever again on commentary. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. Mero wins the match. He fights off Triple H in the the shoulder injury. Uh, he monkey flipped Triple H into the ring post. Well, he's supposed to go to the turnbuckle, but Triple H went all the way into the ring post, allowing Mark Merrill to pick up the win. So five stars. There you have that. Five stars. Yeah. Five stars. Why not? Why the hell not? Beware of dog. Damn it. Let's do it. That, that was one of the first uh, endings I've, I've or finishes I should say I saw that 
where a guy just hit the steel ring post and got knocked out. Like, I don't remember seeing that before this. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. Like, what a weird way. Triple H gets, like, all the offense in and then loses like that. <laughs> so here we go. Look, it wouldn't be his last loss of 1996. <laughs> um, we go backstage to Mr. Perfect interviewing Jim Cornette, and he's with British Bulldog, who, of course, is challenging Shawn Michaels for the WWF title, and they're joined by Owen Hart, Clarence Mason, and Diana Hart Smith, and Clarence Mason's all banged up. I don't know what, what happened to Clarence Mason that he was like on crutches and had his arm in a sling and like I kind of forget. what happened to this man? Do you I remember? Kind of, I kind of forget, but I want to say like maybe someone just like grabbed him by his shirt and then he clearly just oversold it and he just made himself like so injured. But somebody nice. might have just grabbed his shirt, so I think it was like I don't remember someone flat out like flat out beating his ass or anything like that. <laughs> uh, or I don't even know them like if anyone explained what happened to him. And not like uh, he got beat up outside of Syracuse nightclub by nine Marines or anything like that. Mm, mm. But uh, <laughs> you know, like I just I like that story. There's <laughs> nine people beating up one guy. Yeah. And nobody stopped this? Yeah. Oh, hold on. We got to stop for a second. Hold up. Sidetrack. Because we've always heard this story about Shawn Michaels over the years. And that was in 93, 94, before WrestleMania 10, right? Wasn't that it when he had to drop the belt? This was uh, October of 95. Was it? 95. When he dropped, that's when he dropped the belt to Shane Douglas. Yes. Yes. Dean Douglas Dean, back Dean, then. Dean Douglas. 100% right. Because yeah. he, he got suspended before WrestleMania 10. This was when he got hurt yes. and he dropped the belt to Dean Douglas. Right. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about last week when Shane Douglas is like, oh, he gave me the belt, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and he was mad about it. All right. Yeah. So apparently, this is a night where Diesel wasn't around, Hunter Hearst Hemsley wasn't around, so and they he's were out in, Europe, in a bar. Apparently, they were in Europe. This is actually right. said, they kind of glossed over it, by the way, in the A&E biography, and all that Hunter and Kevin said was that they were in Europe. So okay. Scott Hall, believable. Yeah. Kevin Nash, and Triple H were in Europe. All his homies, all his big big homies, right? Who are all like six four and above. <laughs> all gone. He's out by himself. Okay, he's allowed to do that. Max and the chick, and apparently nine people beat the hell out of Shawn Michaels. I don't think it would have taken nine people to beat up Shawn Michaels. Am I the only one that feels like this is exaggerated a little bit? Or may or is this a hundred percent facts? And I'm just not I'm just out of the loop. Facts. Nine people? <laughs> When all he oh, had was like guy? the British Bulldog and somebody else was there with him. That's like it too. Yeah, he, I forgot <laughs> British Bulldog supposed to be there. I don't remember who this. So maybe it was nine was. people. But they didn't touch British Bulldog, you know, unless he scared them all away. But he didn't come come out with any uh, injuries or anything, at least as far as I remember. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just feel like you got nine people beating up. I, Maybe I feel like he would have been a lot Orton more punt. injured than that. One of them did the Randy Orton punt. Maybe. I don't know, man. Maybe it was just one guy just beat the hell out of Shawn Michaels, which is possible. And then nine people were just standing around. <laughs> so he, he counted the feet. He's like, that's 18 feet. 18 feet. 18 <laughs> feet. <laughs> Damn. I'm reading a story about this right now. Yeah, they, they beat him up. But, like, 
Uh, man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it was a whole bunch of guys. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I don't know. It just sounds wild. That nine people just beating the hell out of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, they they kind of glossed over it that Shawn was getting uh, a little too big for his britches while at the bar, and the ladies right. were kind of flocking to him and stuff like that. But which is that's, they didn't that really, can happen. Yeah, they didn't really like go into detail though. The way I th- I thought they might with these A and E biographies aren't you know exactly good. I just like <laughs> overall they're just kind of weird. I enjoyed the Shawn Michaels one for what it was. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But, uh. Ultimate Warriors I mean, I coming guess, up. <laughs> oh, that's going to be interesting. To yeah. See the contrast between Dark Side of the Ring and the A&E documentary? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. Definitely going to compare and contrast. By the way, have you seen the Booker T one. biography on A&E? That, I love have. That. that was really good. I thought it was pretty good. The beginning, especially when talking about his life growing up. Yeah, um, it, I, it might good. be the best that they've aired so far. So, I didn't oh, know a lot yeah. of his background. You know, I didn't read a lot of his background, so I, I learned a lot from before he even got into wrestling. It's like, I damn. knew both his parents had died. I knew he went to jail. Uh, I knew he was grew up in poverty. I forgot. I, I think I heard of that he robbed a Wendy's. I didn't know he robbed one the <laughs> same one like twenty times. <laughs> His own, right? The one he worked at. The one he worked at. So it was an inside job twenty times. Something like that. Um and I didn't know how his mother died. I didn't know she fell yeah. through this you know, the ceiling and oh, yeah. fell through the floor and, and hurt her back real bad. So that's sad. But uh no, I thought it was I thought it was well done. Um you always gotta look at those A and E ones with a little bit of a you know that WWE's gonna right. revise history a little right. bit, but yeah. for what they are, they're still pretty good. But the Dark Side of the Ring documentaries are where they're at, though. Yes. That's those are the dope ones. Like the, yeah. I think the next one they're doing is Collision in Korea. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I d- don't know much about, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna learn something from that one because I never really looked into that show. Yeah, so, me neither. Me neither. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, but back to beware of dog. Beware of dog. Cornette is all talking about the match, the WWE title match later that night. He talked about how he went to the Athletic Commission in South Carolina and got Owen Hart a manager's license for the night. And I wrote down, like, I love the fact that that gap was filled in. for Like, it didn't even have to because nowadays a wrestler would just walk out with another wrestler and that's just it. Yeah. He's just in his corner. But back then, and I don't know if it's the Cornette decision or just how WWF was. They were a little more official with things back then. But, like... He filled in that gap that just, not just WWE, but pro wrestling doesn't even bother to fill in anymore. You know, it just sounds more official that way. It sounds like there's actual protocols involved with pro wrestling, which they exist in every other sport, but just not pro wrestling for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, yeah. but I just like that. I don't, there's a little thing that I just like, you know, he, yeah. he had to get him a one day license to be his manager. Which is funny because what's prohibiting Cornette from going down there too? I know he's he like... Said, yeah, he said but, he had to focus on Vader. But you have your client has a world title match. Like, what the hell sense does that make? You're just gonna ignore the title match? Like, come on, Jim Cornette, Mister Old School. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense now that you mention it. 
but, but um, the Owen Hart thing was great, and he the way he showed the card, like whatever the hell it was that he was showing to the camera, and then he like right. put it in Davy's face. He's like, "Look, look at this." And Davy's like, "It's probably a three by five <laughs> card with like random writing on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nowhere near a actual like licensed card. It's no, just like no. a random piece of paper you had in his pocket that day, which is hilarious. Here it is, Man. right? <laughs> so good, so good." I like this little thing just made me laugh. I loved it. Yeah, I, I liked it too. So we get to the match. British Bulldogs makes his entrance. Diana Smith is also with British Bulldog along with Owen Hart. After that happens, we get an interview with Shawn Michaels with Doc Hendricks, uh, <laughs> who, of course, is better known as Michael P.S. Hayes. But on oh, this night, he's Doc me. Hendricks, damn it. <laughs> Doc Hendricks. And Michaels, of course, is with Holds a Lothario. He cuts a promo. Talk about how focused he is. He makes his way to the ring. On his way to the ring, though, he just confrontationally bumps into Mr. Perfect. Yeah. And it's like, something going to happen there between them two? Like, Dude, in the future? They, I don't remember anything tease, happening. They always tease Mr. Perfect with, like, so much stuff, but it never panned out. I don't know if they ever wanted injuries. him to get back in the ring. Yeah. But it was like... They, yeah, I want to see Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect for the title. Like, that'd be awesome. Man, but, that would have been dope, bro. That would have been crazy. 96, 97? Yeah. That would have been dope. I mean, he would eventually wrestle again for WCW. And, of course, yeah. he went back to WWF before he passed away. But, yeah, it was weird. Like you said, they were always kind of tease him and stuff. Like, like Luger stuff at WrestleMania 10. Uh, and then on this night, they just bump into each other. Yeah, they teased him and getting give each back other. in the ring with Triple H later this year. It's like they teased him a few times. Right, he had that Man. baggy suit on at, uh, what, what show was that we just watched not that long ago? Uh, with Triple H going against, uh, was it Goldust? Oh, oh Buried Man. Alive. Yeah. Was it Buried Alive? Yeah. yeah. It had to have been Buried Alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> he did have a kind of a baggy suit on. <laughs> I mean, it was 96, so <laughs> you know, that, that was kind of the style, I guess, but... Yeah. In hindsight, it didn't look tremendous, ill-fitting for a man of uh, Mr. Perfect stature. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, Vince does his usual over-the-top introduction of Shawn Michaels. Uh, and then he mentioned that people can catch the encore presentation of the show on Tuesday. So they can see all the matches they missed. And I wrote that they missed quite a few. Now, like we said earlier, this was supposed to be the main event. But because the power was out for the rest of the show... This is like the second match <laughs> on the yeah, broadcast. For the people at home, yeah. Right. And for Peacock and WWE Network. Yeah. You know, this is the order that we've seen this match in. Mm-hmm. So he takes the time to mention that they can read and watch the whole thing again on Tuesday to see the, the matches that they miss. Um, so, yeah, big storm, all hell broke loose, and they lost power for a long time, and they got this match out there um, to end the night. Uh, and then, before the match, we hear from Clarence Mason. And Nick, Aww. cue up Clarence Mason. Love it. What's this? Clarence Mason? Can I have your uh, we can't hear what he's saying. What's he saying? Can I have your attention, please? Shawn Michaels, you have attempted. You, Shawn Michaels, have attempted to break up the very, very happy home of the British Bulldog, 
and that precious little budding tulip, Diana Smith. <laughs> budding tulip. You single-handedly tried to destroy the, the very essence of family values. My God. So when the Smiths came to me and they retained my services, what? I assured them that your actions would cease and desist immediately. Clarence Mason, legit lawyer, by the way. We've got enough problems. On, this Here is in Florence, South Carolina, <laughs> in front of thousands, and in front of the sold-out crowd here, and the millions across America. Not you, a millions sir, across America. Are hereby served with a summons. What? As a defendant, the charge <laughs> attempted alienation of affection. You, sir, we will see in a court of law where justice is swift and hard. My what the hell is attempted? <laughs> what the hell is attempted alienation of affection? What does that mean? You're trying to uh, divorce the couple. home? Apparently, yeah. It's I didn't know law, being a homewrecker was against the law. Well, you still. I thought that was just it's, it's, against like. I thought that was just being messy. <laughs> that was it. Like <laughs> that's the legal you know, term just, for just, it. Being being messy. Right. <laughs> you just out here being messy. I didn't know that was illegal, like illegal. I mean, I can, see, I, I mean, I can see it. I mean, you know, cheating so, on your spouse is adultery. You can, according you know, to you lose a divorce, according to legal uh, source Wikipedia, uh, alienation of affections is a common law tort abolished in many dur- jurisdictions. So it pretty much does oh, not. Oh man, yeah, it does. <laughs> pretty much does not exist. But uh, home records just is like yay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Where <laughs> we, we out here. <laughs> Where it still stands, where it still exists, an action is brought by a spouse against a third party alleged to be responsible for damaging the marriage, most often resulting wow. in divorce. So, yeah, wow. I think that exists still. I think that exists in North Carolina still. Really? I'll talk about why so, off the air. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, I'll talk about. I, I'll talk about why I know that off the air. Why I believe that. <laughs> Uh, in addition to that, it says the defendant, which in this case would be Shawn Michaels, is in an alienation of affection suit, is typically an adulterous spouse's lover. Although family members, right. counselors, and therapists or clergy members who have advised the spouse to seek divorce have also been sued for alienation of affection. Right, look, so. look. I, did that, does it say where this still exists? So, as of 2016, it's recognized in the following states. Hawaii, North Carolina, so you're right about that. Mm. Mississippi, New Mexico, South Dakota, and Utah. <laughs> look, Utah. Yeah, right. I, I, look, like I said, there's a reason why I know that this happened in North Carolina. We'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> I was going to leave it at that. Um, but that's wild. And home wreckers everywhere. Just like we can wreck as many homes as possible now. Yes, <laughs> abolish that. Unreal, unreal. Alienation, <laughs> Attempted of, alienation of affection. That's a weird term too. It really is. Alienation of affection. Attempted. You didn't succeed. That's <laughs> only attempted. Um. So yes, in 1996, Shawn Michaels in a storyline was served with a, a summons. He was served before a match. Again, this is like two years too early. That's like two or three years 
before I expected this. I expected this to happen in like 98, 99, 2000. Mm -hmm. This happened in 96, before the Attitude Era started. So this is kind of weird here in 96. Very much much so. Um, Shawn Michaels reads the summons, tears it in half, (laughs) and off we go. We got the match. And the match is a match. You're watching it, and I'm watching it, and it's just like something feels off. Like the timing just isn't right. And then at one point, Bulldog has Shawn Michaels in a headlock. I have And you can see Shawn Michaels. <laughs> right. He's talking to Earl Hebner. And you can see him like something ain't going right with him. And he's just like visibly frustrated by something. Like he's about to get up. And then when he gets something didn't go his way, he goes right back down and starts talking again. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Didn't I dig into it? It's like apparently Shawn Michaels was just in a bad mood this day. And on top of that, he was getting heckled by a fan that he didn't appreciate for some reason. Like, all right, did you this, hear that? You could hear her yelling. I I did hear her, especially I had these this. damn boat both headphones on. But go ahead, go ahead. To some of the fans around ringside, did you refer you to him her. as the Slammy Award yeah. Owen Hart? Owen Hart wearing a, a cast. Oh God! Your bulldog says, "Shut up." And then Shawn Michaels says, "Shut up, you fat skank." You can read his Yikes. lips. Yeah, that's what he said. Look, those that's are not annoying. my those are not my words. So, those are Shawn Michaels' words. I was just saying right. that because I read his lips. Don't get me wrong, that's annoying, but don't be unprofessional. Like, you have both of them, paying... both of them saying that. Like both right. of them were done with it. The, can you imagine what they'd say like in the night after WrestleMania? <laughs> like, yeah, like they'd be trying to you, fight everybody crowd, in the building. The whole crowd was like staring in that direction too. I couldn't help but notice. Like they weren't even paying attention to the match in the ring. They were staring at wherever this woman was. Look, she was annoying, but she's still a paying customer. As long as she's not saying anything disparaging about you, she can yell. Is it annoying? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, annoying. But, but like they, they didn't ignore it. <laughs> like, like, did she say anything like personal about Shawn Michaels or Bulldog or like I don't know? Like, if she. I don't know. She was being annoying, though. Maybe she was to trying to get him to alienate her affection or something. Wow. Oh. <laughs> wow. Towards her husband? Man, come alienate this affection here. That's wild. <laughs> well, I guess Sean Michaels didn't want to do that. According According to you, he called her a fat skank? Yikes. Yeah, I mean, I saw it, and then I was kind of looking. I, I Googled it to see, like, what it, people that have already reviewed the show, like, said about it. And they, you know, a lot of them use those words, and then I watched it, and it really looks like he's saying that. I mean. Look, Shawn Michaels did an interview not that long ago on The Bump, your favorite show. Ah, the best. We talked about this match, and he talked about how, you know, he wasn't in a good mood or just a terrible day it said because of the storm they had to have like three matches planned just in case the lights would go out or whatever so oh, i guess no. he was flustered by that oh no or he was just flustered because you saw michael's 1996 and that was right. just like his natural state right and also he didn't mention at least in the quote that i saw i didn't mention the fan that was heckling him hmm. which is like still i mean they throw something at you all right you got a right to be upset but if one fan out of thousands are like is 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 that you can't get oh, come on just be professional keep doing what you got to do why are you cussing up the fan here do work the match yeah. and because you didn't stay focused and didn't stay in the moment the match suffered 
and you got, you know, Sh- British Bulldog, they're running the ropes, and British Bulldog just jumps out of Shawn Michaels' way, and Shawn Michaels goes flying out the ring. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the, that was what weird the hell supposed to happen there? Yeah, that was. And weird then at one too. point, Bulldog knocks the hell out of Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner was flying was out great, of the ring. That was a great bump. That's the best thing Earl Hebner's ever done. That was a great. That bump. That was a great bump. That's a crazy bump. Right. Yeah. So this match was just weird. It was a very weird match. And then, of course, on top of that, we get a weird ending. <laughs> or a controversial one. It wasn't necessarily weird. It was just that Shawn Michaels had a pretty good German suplex. I, I like this German suplex. Gets a German suplex. Yeah. Looks like he bridges for a pin. The, mm-hmm. After Earl Hebner got knocked out of the ring, a new referee comes down. He counts. One, two, three. Shawn Michaels' music plays. So he, oh, Shawn Michaels won because he just hit the move. Clearly, he pinned. British Bulldog. Refer- the new referee comes over, though, and raises British Bulldog's hand. He apparently, and this new ref was Mike Kyoto, he apparently only counted Shawn Michaels' shoulders on the mat. Mm-mm. Which is like, how in the hell did you do that? You were, British Bulldog is lying on the mat. We're unbelievable. On his back. But Shawn Michaels is the one who's getting pinned. Okay. <laughs> who's he trying to You screw? know Shawn Michaels... Is the one that's just he just did the move. Never mind. Right. So British Bulldog is announced by uh Howard Finkel as the new World Wrestling Federation champion. But then Earl Hebner comes back into the ring and he disputes Kyoto's decision and raises Shawn Michaels' hand. He for somehow off screen, but off to the side too, with his feet on the floor, ducks his head into the ring and his arm and counts on the mat. He counts British Bulldog's shoulders down. Does he not so see Mike Kyoto in there? Like. <laughs> right. Counting at the same exact time. Right? So now we have controversy. We got some... We got something... We got to figure this stuff out. At some point while they're trying to figure this out, Diana Hart Smith gets out of the ring with the belt. She takes the title. <laughs> and she holds up the belt with this, you know, this angry look on her face. Like, yeah, we got the belt. Problem is... The problem is, the belt is upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. So that shot is ruined. Great, yeah, it is. <laughs> that shot is all the way ruined. And then Gorilla Monsoon comes out and pretty much says, Will you stop? <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Snatches the belt away from her, gets into the ring, and talks to the officials. They hash it out. And they come to the, you know, to the decision that it was a draw. Both shoulders are counted on the mat, which is probably, it's the best decision at the end of the day. Just a weird way of getting there because somehow Mike Kyoto just counted Shawn Michaels' shoulders. I don't get it. Uh, Jim Cornette was pissed off that there was a draw. He wanted to <laughs> fight people. Um, Diana Hart Smith was confused. Is it me or does she just look like she just looked, un- she just looked uncomfortable on camera? Like she it, it's like she never had confidence in what what she was told to do she just looked like she unsure was of herself she was like focused on what yes yeah, like hyper focused on what she had to, the camera was on her for so long and she had like no reaction and then she would kind of like notice the camera was on her she'd be like come on davy like okay like jeez. Yeah. i mean not everybody's cut holding out the bit holding the belt upside down like come on but you figure yeah, like yeah. she had a big role in the SummerSlam 92 match where especially that night you know, she was in, she was interviewed in the crowd, and then she came in the ring after Bret Hart and British Bulldogs match. So, I mean, I figured at this point she would be 
used to whatever you know they asked her to do. But yeah, this whole angle. Maybe it was the angle. Maybe it was the story. Because you know, British Bulldog quit over this. <laughs> you know, like he technically mm. quit over this, and they wound up, you know, able to bring him back. And uh, I think I, I, is it Bruce Pritchard that talks about it on his podcast? I think it. I think it's probably. Him. Uh, talks about yeah, like British Bulldog quit over this storyline, so I'm sure Diana was just not feeling it from the start, but they went on with it. Yeah, I don't blame her. This storyline sucked. Yeah, it's weird. And, and she hits him with the "I know you want me, Sean." He goes, "Don't flatter yourself." Like yeah. that's not great. <laughs> like, she, like, she didn't want that to happen on TV. No. So, with all due respect, it, though, do not flatter yourself. Yeah. With all due respect, though. That, that, once you say with all due respect, you pretty much say whatever you want after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. like the rule. Exactly. That's the unofficial rule of society. Like you can say whatever you want, as long as you put with all due respect in front of it. Like with all due respect, I think you're a trash human being. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine, and they can't get mad at you, right? Like, but I said with all due respect, right? Yeah. It's your so fault that you're offended. You know? Right. <laughs> I gave you the respect. And yeah, I crowd you a trash human being, but I said with all due respect. So leave me alone. Like you said, it's your fault, not mine. <laughs> uh, so after this match, we suddenly transition to the sequel, Beware of Dog 2. <laughs> which yeah. two days later in North Charleston, South Carolina... Which we now have commentary from Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect, which All is like right. refreshing almost. It is. <laughs> like, God, because Miss McMahon's commentary can be rough. And then we already talked about Jerry Lawler's commentary can be rough sometimes. But Jim Ross in 1996 was just on top of his game, right? Like, he, he called it more like a sport with a sprinkle of entertainment. Whereas Vince would just go over the top and all the pomp and circumstance that comes with just being entertainment with no sports-like presentation or style to him. And it just, sometimes it can be grating on my nerves. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah, I mean, Jim Ross was almost like Tony Schiavone. I, I, obviously, I love Tony Schiavone, WCW 96-97. He literally explained everything that you were questioning. And Jim Ross was kind of the same. He in this period, you know, when he was given that uh, freedom to, to do this, uh, and maybe it wasn't necessarily given that freedom. He just did it uh, before he, you know, turned became that heel turn that brought in Razor Ramon and Diesel and all that. Uh, you know, his commentary was great. So uh, he would explain a lot of stuff the way Tony Schiavone did in WCW, and I loved it. Yeah, Jim Ross in the nineties was. Like fantastic, I know some people rag on him today, but there's a reason why Jim Ross is in the position that he's in, because he's probably arguably the best play-by-play wrestling announcer of all time. It's either him or I guess a Gordon Solo would be up there. Uh, I guess Shivani could put Shivani up there. I don't know who else would be up there though. I mean, uh, who was the guy that was in Memphis? Lance Russell. Was he a play-by-play? Was he an interview? I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um. There's been some great broadcasters over the years, but Jim Ross is—he has to be on like you know top two or three play-by-play wrestling announcers ever, mm-hmm. and arguably yeah. the best. So, um, but then we trans. Mister Perfect was not a great announcer, <laughs> but 
he was good enough that he can be with Jim Ross and sound just fine. So yeah, this was already. I was like, yeah, God, thank you. <laughs> was this the first time you watched this night. portion of uh, like Beware of Dog? Is this the first time you consumed uh, it? I feel like I did Beware of Dog on my Throwback Thursdays before, but I don't recall. Maybe I didn't do it, but I thought I did. But I don't know. Um. So yeah, I couldn't tell you honestly. I don't remember if I did had had mm. seen this before or not. Pretty sure I did though. But either way, we move on to the Caribbean strap match between Steve Austin and Savio Vega. Like I said earlier, these two literally wrestled with the lights out <laughs> on sun on Sunday at Beware of Dog One. Uh, of course, we got Steve Austin. Who is Stone Cold at this point, but he's not really like, you know, of course, Stone Cold as we know and love him. He's still uh, with Ted DiBiase. He's the ringmaster of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, he has four nicknames before we get to Steve Austin. Uh, also, this is Steve Austin pre-knee braces, which almost looks strange. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? He looked like skinnier. And of yeah. course, he looked more athletic because, you know, his knees yeah, were better. But like, yep. It was strange to see those. No, mm. at least as him in the black trunks, black knee boots, pads, yeah. knee yeah. and black black boots, right? Because that's usually associated with the Stone Cold that we know and love, and that Stone Cold had knee braces. This one didn't even have one. He had no knee <laughs> braces, and it was just like, whoa. That yeah, he wrestled for a while with white boots, so he had switched to the black boots around WrestleMania, I think. So this was like his new style he, that he kept. For a long time, <laughs> yeah, forever. Well, for the rest of his career, <laughs> right? This is what we know him as: black tights, black trunks, uh, black boots. Um, but they had this match two nights before, so they had to up the ante for this one. In that, if Steve Austin lost the match, Ted DiBiase had to leave WWF. Oh no! And if Savio Vega lost, he had to be Ted DiBiase's chauffeur. He even brought the chauffeur hat to the ring. But, of course, in reality, Ted DiBiase was, didn't just leave WWF. He left WWF to go to WCW. <laughs> so, Yeah, this uh, this line during the match, by the way, this is the last one I have for Beware of Dog. But this line during the match uh, kind of made me laugh. DiBiase looking awful nervous in the background. Can you blame him? Would you want to be leaving the WWF? Not now. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. How about that? How about At that? that point, yes, you leave WWE. <laughs> Scott Hall had already debuted on Nitro by this point, so you damn right. straight he wants to leave. Exactly. Was that a veiled <laughs> shot at Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash? Do you, why would you want to leave WWF now? Right? Because we stink. <laughs> and I get paid more money down here in Atlanta. You crazy? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that made me Let's laugh. rock. That made me laugh. Let's rock and roll. So, yeah, that's what was going on in reality. Uh, this match was, I thought this was a great match. This is probably my favorite match. Yeah, in, it was the, the longest card. one, too. It was like 21 minutes. Right. Longest this is just a great, hard-hitting match that was, that was you know, benefited from the commentary of Jim Ross. He was good at calling these types of matches and bringing that intensity and, and conveying that intensity in that, uh, you know, and a hard-hitting style to the viewer with his commentary style. So, um, 
Yeah, I enjoyed this match a lot. This is by far the best match on the show. Yep. Uh, I feel like every strap match, though, has virtually the same ending. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like it. This feels like it, right? Where you have the bad guy touching the ropes, but the good guy touching not touching the ropes, the turnbuckles. Because you know, strap matches, whether it's Caribbean strap matches or Texas bull rope or whatever, you got to hit the four corners yeah. in succession, right? I mean, that's typically what it is. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy always hits the four corners or hits three of them, but the good guy is hitting the, the corners right behind him, so they're like tied up <laughs> before they get to the fourth corner. And then the bad guy doesn't notice, somehow never notices the good guy. Yeah, the, the crowd cheering. Right behind the them. crowd cheering, and they're just like, "Oh, I guess they started liking me all of a sudden." Right, and then something goes wrong. In this case, Steve Austin pulls Savio Vega into the fourth corner, allowing Savio Vega to pick up the win and send Ted DiBiase packing out of WWF and to World Championship Wrestling. So, oh no, oh no, oh, what's he gonna do? <laughs> Make more money, probably. <laughs> Million dollar man. Also, speaking of Ted DiBiase, he's been making appearances in NXT. You've seen yeah, this, like yeah, I, with, uh, uh, with Cameron uh, Grimes. Cameron Grimes, yep. Which I actually find kind of funny. I haven't been keeping track too much. I just know that they made a big deal about him appearing in person, and all he did was, uh, or at least last night on NXT, appearing in person, and all he did was like come up on the stage, laugh, and leave. And I was just like, man, what are these these legend? Like moments and appearances that WWE does uh, just do nothing for me anymore because they make it see they make it not mean anything and it's frustrating. It's like I want to watch something that means something. Like, come on, that's fair. It, it, it is kind of dope for Cameron Grimes though that he gets to right. He's got yeah, like work with Ted DiBiase. Right, that's it's good. That's a good thing. It's to be on screen with Ted DiBiase, even though it's mostly Ted DiBiase laughing at him for being broke. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's typically the story. Yeah. Um, you know, but I still find it kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of Ted DiBiase's run in WWF. And they give him the yeah, whole na 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 song. <laughs> that was the first like, time I they? heard that, by the way. Really? Yeah. In 96? Yeah. I guess that's, that's fair. You only, what? 10, 11 years uh, old? <laughs> t- 11 at this time, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a... I no, that's 10. Fair. 10, because... Oh, yeah, you turn 11 80, in October. Yeah. 95, so... I'll turn 10. Right. I mean, yeah, I'll turn... October 96, I would turn 11, so yeah. Right. Well. I'm just surprised they actually used the song, or like they didn't dub over it on Peacock, well, they, WWE Network. They didn't, like, play it. He was just singing the lyrics. I thought, I thought they played it, like... In the arena, so I thought I, I heard didn't hear. It. I didn't. Well, maybe. Well, my my hearing ain't great, so maybe they did, but I didn't. I, didn't, I wasn't paying that close of attention to it. So, uh, uh, I thought I heard the song. Either way, <laughs> Savio is just that good. Yeah, His I guess he can sing. Yeah. That boy can sing. <laughs> he sounded just like the actual song, like <laughs> to me at least. I didn't know Savio even had a microphone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Look, go ahead, Savio. You can sing, boy. Because I thought you was the actual song. You, that, didn't they, play, they didn't play the music, neither? I could have <laughs> swore I heard the music. Maybe I am tripping, and I just made this up in my mind. <laughs> Maybe I just played it again like I did with New Jack Smash last week. When I just played Interborn Killers in the background and muted Peacock. Maybe I did that. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> if you did Savio, <laughs> no. I guess. I don't know. Right, I'm gonna go speaking back. Of, I'm gonna go back to this. I'm gonna see. Speaking of, uh, real quick aside, uh, <laughs> back to New Jack, real quick. Uh, all the stories that have come out about him in the last couple of days, including at Wrestlepalooza, he apparently wanted to uh, fight Junkyard Dog because Junkyard Dog owed him money or something like that. <laughs> I did not which hear is that wild, <laughs> right? And uh, you know, it's sad that you know Junkyard Dog died like a month later, but like. Yeah. Apparently at that show, New York New Jack's like, yo, he owes me money for something, you know, I think he sold him weed or something like that. <laughs> something weird. I forget what it was, but like he was like, I'm about to beat up Junkyard Dog. <laughs> like because he owes me money, bro. So that is that hilarious. Move? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me let me pull this up. The end of Yeah, it says it, even in the WWE network it says Vegas sings goodbye to the million dollar man. Oh, he sung it? Oh my god, I'm stupid. He plays the song, bro. I could have swear he played the song. I'm watching it and I have the phone up to the microphone. He's singing. They're playing the song. He's singing. You don't hear the song? No. All right, they're they're playing the song. I can hear the instruments. Okay, I I vaguely hear it, but uh, he started singing, and that's what I picked up on. So uh, yeah, he sounded totally different from the song. I wasn't looking uh, or hearing, looking to hear the instruments or whatever. So when he started singing, I just kind of like, okay, he sang. Like, I wasn't even, I wasn't yeah, paying like attention he, to the rest at all. Either he, either I'm right, or he sounds exactly like the song. <laughs> like, or, I mean, they could have played it in the background, but he was singing. So he might have been singing with the song that was played. Well, yeah, but I could still hear the song. I'm just saying, like, listening to it again, he sounded nothing like that song. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Hey, hey, hey. Like, and it's understandable. He had a match. He's tired. So I give him, I give him that. one minute match. Right, a strap match. Strap got, match to he got whipped, end. you know what I'm saying, all yeah. that. But like, he didn't sound anything like that song. I'm, I'm like, I know I wasn't tripping. I could have swore I heard that song. <laughs> but all right, thanks for clearing that up because I'm about to go to the doctor or something. <laughs> Make sure I'm not tripping here. <laughs> I, I might have to go. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on though, we go to go backstage and we got Shawn Michaels on a laptop. Chatting with his fans on <laughs> America Online. He, he was said. not chatting. He was staring at a screen. Staring at the screen, trying really hard to read, apparently. I don't know what the hell's going on. And then he's <laughs> typing with his two index fingers yeah. because, you know, they didn't teach people how to type back in Shawn Michaels' day. <laughs> like, not at all. They didn't know t- how, to, how to type. But he's just I used to type, by the way. I, learned, I used to type by looking at the keyboard. Did you type when you started like looking at the keyboard? Or did you always like look at the screen instead? Uh, hmm. I think I do a mixture of both. I can think I can look at the screen and type, and look at the keyboard and type. Yeah. I was never Back... formally taught how to type. Though. I just okay. over the years I've just learned quickly where the keys yeah, are. Yeah, we had... do it. Yeah, do it almost every day for hours on end. You kind of commit right. your fingers to your know, muscle memory i guess you call it but uh, right we had like a class in school it was like touch typing for beginners it, it might have been like part of a different class but we would like 
get on a computer and like type with uh, both hands on the keyboard and then using all our fingers, you know, go use our right index finger for P and we couldn't move our hands. They had to stay where they were and we would just have to move P or whatever, uh, move our finger to P or whatever. But, uh, you know, a little after this, when I got the internet in like 97, 98, and I would be typing, I would be looking at the keyboard every single time. And that's how I got fast at typing because I was, I knew where the letters were or whatever, but I was looking at them. So if I made a typo, I wouldn't know until I looked up at the screen and then I would obviously fix it or whatever. Nowadays, I do a mixture of both, but I mostly just look at the screen because I've memorized the keyboard. So like I just look right. at the screen most of the time now. So it's kind of like funny how that that evolved over time for me personally. So Yeah, I, I doubt that... Uh, yeah. I doubt that uh, Shawn Michaels has gotten better at typing over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he hasn't had to. Maybe he got his kids yeah. to do it for him. Probably, yeah. I'm saying he's just like typing for what? <laughs> yeah. Kid, come here and do this for me. Which is what most people his age probably do. Probably. Stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. So, moving on from that though, we got a good old Haas fight here with Vader versus Yokozuna. We got Vader coming into the match billed at 460 pounds. Mm. Probably uh, 470, <laughs> you know, in reality. <laughs> and we got Yokozuna build at over 600 pounds. Got over 1,000 pounds of weight in this ring. I don't know how many other matches in WWE history can say that. When you think about that, that's, there's, never, I don't can't, there's never been a time where two 500-pounders have gone at it. This might be the heaviest match in WWF history. I don't know about wrestling history, but at least at least heaviest one-on-one match. I'm sure you have a 10-man tag. You have a bunch of people who weigh over 200 pounds. You got over probably a ton, literally a ton in the ring. But like one-on-one, I don't know. They had how many the, times? Oh, actually, yeah, because they had Earthquake and Yokozuna the sumo match, but that was they were probably both thinner. Than Yoko guess, was now yeah, and yeah. Uh, Vader. No, Earthquake yeah. was like three, like upper three is four hundred, right? Yeah. He was close. He was, but not not as big as Vader. I don't think. I don't think no, so neither. So not many, too many times where you have this much weight in the ring for a one on one match. A thousand pounds, well over. I think they said Yoko was like six forty, something like that. Something I forget the exact number, but he was definitely over six this was, uh, in this match. Was it this his last match? Or close to his Ooh. last match in WWF. Uh, at least no, he wasn't he at wrestle. No, he wasn't at wrestle. Was he at WrestleMania 13? No, no, oh, he was man. gone by then. Yeah. I know 96 was his last year, and I don't know when he was technically released, but he wasn't on TV. Like, oh, you know what? Survivor Series 96, he was at. So might have been at the end of this year. But, uh, oh man! So yeah, this wasn't his last match. I don't know what I'm talking about, but Survivor Series '96 might have been his last match. Yeah, it was. I'm looking at good old Wikipedia, and it says Survivor yeah. Series '96 was his final WWF appearance. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure how much he was uh, weighing at this point, but man, it was uh, it's was, it was, it was a lot, obviously. Um. But yeah, over a thousand pounds in the ring. Get, despite the fact that Yokozuna is well over six hundred pounds by this point, 
he was still very mobile for his size. Which is not the case for people that are 600 pounds. Like, I've, I've seen episodes of six, my 600-pound life. Uh, and a lot of those people are bedridden. Or they can barely move. Like, they... Yeah. Yokozuna was running. He's climbing to the top rope. Like, an yeah. incredible athlete for his size. It's a shame that he... His weight got out of control. Because if he could have stayed around, like, 350, 400, he would have been... Man, like he would stay that Vader size, he would have been a tremendous wrestler. Mm-hmm. Or I say, I would say even smaller than Vader because Vader's like four fifty or something like that. But you know, when you're over six hundred, WWF did the right thing, I think, in trying to get him to lose weight because that's just it's just too much on your body. You know, it's yeah. just, your body can't handle that much weight for too long. You're not going to live too long. And no, Gozuna unfortunately passed away uh, at a very young age. But damn, he still moved like. Nobody's business at that. Like, I wait. Like I said, not many people that size can move like him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one thing I noticed though, whenever well, I really noticed, just got to give a homage to Vader's theme music. <laughs> one of the all-time greats. It is. That's like, one Jim of the, Johnson. I, th- I think it was on the. It wasn't on Full Metal, so it's probably on the second volume of WWF the music, and I would listen to that, you know, like on repeat sometimes because it was. I love that and Ken Shamrock's theme song like back oh, yeah, to back I would, I would listen to those two and I was just like get hyped you know <laughs> <laughs> make you want to punch yourself in the face and go yeah like Ken Shamrock jump off the balcony <laughs> do a Vader bomb on the couch there you go <laughs> and you break something and get your ass whipped for it but that's just how yeah. it is you know what I'm saying just, hey blame WWF charge theme music <laughs> you gotta charge that to the game like that's just how it go bro yeah, like exactly you know what I'm saying? That's just part of the, that's part of life right there. You know what I'm saying? But uh, this match began with a lot of posturing between the two. You got Vader lining up in the three-point stance. He did play football professionally. Uh, I believe he played for the Rams uh, back in the day. Uh, Yokozuna got down in a sumo stance. He was not actually a sumo wrestler, but um, he still did the stance anyway. Uh, but, you know, Yokozuna would charge and Vader would jump out the way, you know. Because he's a heel, you know, it took his time. Uh, but eventually they would lock horns, so to speak. And one thing I noticed during this match is that v- Yokozuna had great babyface fire. Like, he would fire up as a babyface. Like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I forgot. Like, he had that in him. Like, he was a great heel. One of the best. of Probably the best of his generation. Yeah. Of that new generation era. Like, Yokozuna was a great heel. But when he turned face, he had like fire to him, and people got behind him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was uh, he was great. Like super he talented. played the heel great. He played a great baby face. It was just like, man, they couldn't do anything with him as a baby face, really. No, it's like, man, it's a shame. Yeah, his weight was too much by that point. Yeah. They could have had something. Um, but yeah, like you said, he could couldn't do much, but um. At one point, Vader tries to slam Yokozuna, and JR said, oh, the only person I can remember slamming Yokozuna was Ahmed Johnson. I was like, wait a second. (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) Hold up. Hold up. So, Lex Luger just don't exist no more now, huh? Don't. Hey, hey. He in WCW, so he just don't exist. (laughs) Ha, ha. That's hilarious. 
He they, y'all had a whole damn show on a whole damn boat, <laughs> where the whole damn show was about body slamming Yokozuna, and this man came down on a whole damn helicopter with a whole damn American flag for a shirt. Got in that ring on that hot ass day in New York, and body slammed Yokozuna. <laughs> And it kicked what? off an Bro, entire. What are you about, man? And it kicked <laughs> off an entire summer's worth of story. <laughs> Which Shim Ross was, was there for? He was in the company for this. And Lex Luger sat in his whole damn bus for a whole damn summer, <laughs> campaigning, telling people, "I'm gonna beat Yokozuna at SummerSlam." Why? Because he body slammed him on the USS Intrepid. Doing a body slam challenge. <laughs> Which turned Lex Luger babyface for the first time in his career, probably. Like, maybe, I don't know. Was he a face in the NWA and Crockett? I don't remember. He probably was at some point. I guess he had to have. Didn't he go against Flair and Crockett? I don't know. I don't remember. Either way. He probably did, but. I'm pretty sure he did. He was champion when he was champion. In the, I think he was a heel, right? So. I, I don't know. That he was part of the Horsemen, so. Yeah, his his the 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 best parts of his career when he was a heel, at least until WCW when he became a babyface. But either way, he slammed Yokozuna <laughs> before <laughs> Ahmed Johnson did. That's the whole point. And it's just like no, the only person I knew of was that uh, Lex. Oh no no no, Ahmed Johnson. That's who did it. Yep, Ahmed Johnson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's Lex? I don't know. Who's that? <laughs> Huh? What's that? What'd you say? You heard something? Flex Cavana? Yeah, we got that kid down in Memphis right now. He's gonna be good. <laughs> I, you know, his dad was pretty good. I think he might be. He might be I right too. Flex Cavana. It's like t- two years ago, didn't uh, Mr. Perfect? Didn't you have a, something to like some issue with this person who couldn't beat Yokozuna? I just didn't you disqualify him Ooh. at WrestleMania for? Bringing in Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette into the ring. I, I got concussed that day. I don't remember. <laughs> so, uh, it's just funny. I noticed. That I, right I missed. I missed him saying that. But that's that's so WWF. That's so Vince McMahon. Like, come on. I'm At this Johnson. point, Lex wasn't he, like. Yes, he was at high profile in WCW. But I mean. For a very long time, that move meant nothing. You know, like <laughs> Lex jumping to WCW literally meant nothing until the whole NWO thing. So, I mean, was it, it was a big deal when he showed up on Nitro. That was but a yeah, deal. But, but yeah, but like nobody was like, oh, Lex went to WCW. I have to abandon the WWF. Like, nobody. Right. It did didn't that, like sway you know? the tide right. in any way. It didn't like make WCW the hot Making it a tweeter with there. Sting was kind of weird, but it, I actually liked it. Uh, looking back, but even that, like, I mean, they used him pretty good, but I mean, it was just, man, <laughs> that was funny, man. That was really funny. But eventually, Jim Cornette gets involved. He gets thwarted by Yokozuna. <laughs> takes a big bump after Yokozuna headbutts him. Uh, Yokozuna tried to bonsai drop Jim Cornette, which would have ended his <laughs> life. But Vader pulled him out of the way just in the nick of time. And as Yokozuna laid there and sold the miss, Vader climbed up Mm-mm. and hit the Vader bomb 
to win the match. So. Yeah, and then he was like selling his knee. I, I couldn't remember whether he got hurt or what, but he was selling the knee pretty bad. So I was like, huh. well, yeah. How about that? He, he, at least he, uh, I mean, Yoko's leg was supposed to be hurt in storyline, at least. Right. Um, so well, Vader, Vader was selling injury. his leg. Like after right, I'm not match. sure about Vader's injury. But and then it was funny. I was like, "Did he miss time?" But I was like, "No, that's this year he made event at SummerSlam which against Shawn Michaels." So, like literally, like two, three months later. So I don't know. Right, which he should have won. Really, by the yeah, way, yeah, should have won. Yeah, but they then we wouldn't have got Yoko that awesome Shawn Michaels Mankind match. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, we did, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vader should have won the title. Let's be honest. Yeah. They should have won a title. So after this match, we move on to a commercial. I love it. <laughs> this was the b- most bizarre commercial I've ever seen. And you wonder really? why. I love it. No one ordered this pay-per-view. <laughs> like, you see this commercial. Wait, you like this. I loved it. I thought it was creatively right. awesome. So let's run through it real quick. <laughs> it's a commercial with Jerry Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler. It's a commercial for the King of the Ring, which is next month's pay-per-view, right? He's in his castle, he's in his throne room, and his two poor kids are like, please, sir, may I have some food, sir? And he's like, nah, get out of here. And he feeds the food to a damn, he feeds the food to a dog, like a scoundrel that he is, right? In that moment, he chokes on the food and dies, (laughs) right? (laughs) Already starts great. It's already awesome. Chokes on the food and dies and goes to wrestling heaven. Or the big ring in the sky, I guess, as he called it. <laughs> While he's in heaven, <laughs> and I, I wrote here, I guess he had it coming that he died because he gave the food to the dog. But while he's in heaven, he, claim, he claims himself the king of heaven. And then Elvis shows up, hits him in the head with a guitar. It's like, you ain't no king, boy. And he's joined by other kings, I guess. Yeah. Including Don King. <laughs> Don King. That's great. Not only was he not dead in 1996, <laughs> he's not dead today. He's still alive. <laughs> what the hell was. Why was he in heaven? Because he was a king. You had a he couple, wasn't dead. You had a, a king uh, from uh, that. You know, the other king on the other side of Elvis, that looked like the king from Keenan and Kel when uh, they went to visit the president and the king came in, King David or something, came in with Keenan and Kel in the office. Remember that one? Uh, he looked like that king. But then he had Don King on the other side. So it was, you know, to make sure that you knew, hey, there's a bunch of kings here. But and I got it right away. Dead kings, it was great. Plenty of dead kings to choose from. But I wouldn't Why have known. Have to get... I wouldn't have known those dead kings. I was Who only cares? I was only ten years old. Did you know the Don other king. dead kings? I knew Don King. Did you know the other dead kings? I knew the mummy. The mummy. What? <laughs> well, they were do- they were all on commentary. Like he's no king. He's no king. Right. Ugh. I remember. And I think they had a pharaoh there. It's yeah, it's great. A white man just as, as a pharaoh, which is like, <laughs> which, get uh, out of here. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one at all. <laughs> get out of town. <laughs> right, this is such good shit. Exactly, <laughs> the white guy to play the pharaoh here. But 
Don King isn't dead, bro. <laughs> Why did they do this to him? Why did they put him in heaven? I guess Jerry Lawler isn't dead neither. So maybe in this uh, yeah, fictional, right? <laughs> maybe in this fictional universe, they're both dead. He gave he gave food to a dog too, somewhere down the line. He probably did do that in real life. <laughs> Don, <laughs> Don King, who knows? That was a strange. And then at the end, you see this devil. Well, I guess he's, he's the king he's, of hell. Yeah, he said, where am I? And then you see the devil. So clearly they're all in hell. What the hell? No pun intended. <laughs> oh, wait, are you sure there's no pun intended? What was this? Now he's in the hell. This is supposed to be a family product, and now we're sending king to hell. Also, who was... Was, well, was Vince McMahon Satan? Well, oh, you know what? I didn't put two and two Doesn't together, like but... Uh, hey, I see. I see the resemblance now that you mentioned it, but I, I didn't. You know when I watched it, that commercial, by the way, is on YouTube in its entirety. So if you go to YouTube and just search "King of the Ring '96" commercial, like it'll pop up. But uh, you know that is kind of funny. You know that you go that you said Vince. I didn't think it at first, but I might have to go back there and like check because the hair was definitely on point. With, it looked like uh, Vince's hair. Looked like Vince. So. It's like Vince, but that commercial was stupid. And, you, and it would make sense because like, Vince is Jerry's partner, and he, they're always fighting. So Vince so. wants to send him to hell, but I mean, Vince is in hell too. So <laughs> what a what a cell phone, right? Or or Roddy Piper too, right? When oh, you can make a phone call to Vince, oh. no, Roddy Piper's not in hell. <laughs> See, I don't know. Like, would they have a? relationship that Roddy would find that funny? I don't know. Like I, I guess. Only Vince knows that because exactly. Roddy Piper is no longer here with us. So like everyone I like guess. freaked out on social media and I get it why because I it mean how weird. does his family feel like watching that? It's probably weird but you know it, would Roddy have laughed? I don't know. <laughs> what what was this about? Like why? That was a random thing. It was. Vince got it a really weird was. sense of humor. I didn't it find really it. Was. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> It was like, to what? him though, which is a That's whole the different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that happen in WWE that are just funny to Vince McMahon, and that's, that's true. it. That's true. Like the zombie, like a zombie lumberjack match. Which, by the way, which the Miz, the Miz, tore, Miz his tore his ACL. Yeah, man, that sucks. That's like his first major injury. It is. Tore his ACL is, in man. a zombie. Lumberjack match of all the things the Miz could have got hurt doing. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. <sighs> but it's just you watch this commercial, and you would never know something historic happened at this show that changed the course of wrestling. Because of course, Ultimate Warrior, Triple H, uh, Jerry Lawler. That as well. But wasn't Ultimate Warrior on the poster too for this show? Yeah, strange. What a strange show. He was. But Ryan Pillman <laughs> came in too, by the way, at this show. <laughs> that's true. Wasn't that was that his debut? Uh don't know if it was his debut on TV, but it was his first pay per view, so crazy. Mm. Yeah. That is true. Uh but as we said earlier, Triple H supposed to win the King of the Ring in ninety six. Curtain call happens. Yoink, that's not happening now. So the next person in line, I guess was Steve Austin, of course. And Steve Austin goes on to win King of the Ring. He wins it with a stunner. Beats Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts cutting the religious promos. And Steve Austin claps back by coining the term Austin 316. And off we went. <laughs> you know, t-shirts are selling. 
also becomes the biggest star in the business. That would have never happened if it wasn't for the curtain call, though, and Triple H getting in trouble and not being and being having his King of the Ring victory revoked, sort of, you know, so to speak, you know. Yeah. So it's this weird thing how things weird how things fall into place the way they happen. But judging by this commercial, this show was going to be trash, and it's probably <laughs> not going to be watched by anybody, and they would have missed it. I, I, hey, I ordered it, taped it. I know you did. (laughs) You ordered all these shows. (laughs) I I remember, so I think I saw that commercial on like an episode of Raw that I was watching on the network like last year, and I totally forgot about it. So when I saw it again, I was like, yes, this is awesome. Like, I remember this. And I was like, that's, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I still do. Wild stuff. <laughs> wild stuff. That's all. That's all. <laughs> that's a wild commercial. That's probably if you want to look up like the whole pantheon of wild WWF commercials that they've done over the years. That has to be up there, right? I mean, maybe it has to be. It's such a stupid commercial. <laughs> like, I don't know. All the kings are there. So, and Elvis. Farrow, Don King. And Don. And Jerry. And Don. <laughs> it's not dead. Whatever. Moving on to the main event <laughs> of the evening. Of Beware of Dog 2. Or Beware of Dog. Whatever you want to call it. It's the main event. It's Beware the last of show Do. of this Beware event. of Do. Yeah. I guess. I mean... D E U X, like is that how you pronounce it? No, I took French and I got a C in French in high school and college, so I'll defer to you. but where of duh. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I'm a sort of an expert. I'm the authority here on that. Uh with my C gets degrees, by the way. Um I'm a living example of that, at least when it comes to French class. Um duh D E U X duh. So there you go. But it's a casket match for the Intercontinental Championship. Goldust defending against The Undertaker, which got me to thinking, how many Intercontinental Championship matches did The Undertaker ever have in his career? This might be the one and only time he challenged for because I don't recall him ever doing it again. Did he face... I know Kane faced Triple H when he was the Intercontinental Champion like in 2002 or something. Right. But- I don't know if and I'm there was a time did, where, yeah, remember when they did the two man power trip with yeah, Austin and Triple right. H when Austin was world champ, Triple H was IC champ, Kane and Undertaker they were the tag champs, so they challenged mm-hmm. Triple H and Austin for pretty much all the gold. I would assume though, the Undertaker would have been the world champ had they had won, and Kane would have been the IC champ, not the other way around. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I don't recall Undertaker. Ever challenging for the Intercontinental Championship before or after this. So, if you uh, know of that information out there, feel free to let us know. Because I have no clue (laughs) if that's the case. Um, But yeah, that was an interesting fact. Also, uh, we have Undertaker in his purple gear. Which, if you've been watching the Buried Treasure show recently, that's on A&E. I've been watching that show a little bit. Which is hosted by AJ Francis, who's on NXT now as a heel. 
so that's funny. Uh, he he only wore that purple gear for like a short period of time, and he didn't wear it again after SummerSlam '96 when Paul Bear turned on him. And the urn that was used when Paul Bear turned on him was one of the quote unquote buried treasures they were looking for. And they found in like a funeral home or a funeral museum. I forget where. I don't know if it was Texas or somewhere else. But they found it in this very rare item that I think Paul Bear was walking around with on this night too. Uh, it looked exactly the same. So just a little uh, memorabilia information there. Have you watched that show at all? I watched the. I think I watched the Undertaker one, but it like not all the way through. Maybe like bits and pieces. So I still have to go back and watch those episodes. It's so. it's interesting. You could tell it's kind of staged. You know, the, it, no I know they have like Triple H and Stephanie like come on and say say things, which right is weird. But okay, they don't have <laughs> that much vested interest in this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's not kid ourselves. Um, but it's an, it's, or it's like, interesting it, it, to see the, the ending's already known, and they're just kind of like building up to it or something right and they generally get the items they want yeah they're talking about aj francis like i got a budget it's like no you don't this is wwe (laughs) (laughs) they they want to pay twenty thousand dollars for that thing they will pay twenty thousand dollars for that (laughs) and like it's coming out of his pocket like he might have a budget when you're only when you're only paying the talent 10 percent, you have plenty of money to throw around right (laughs) uh they already flying around the country trying to get the stuff that's part of the budget too right yeah yeah during the pandemic Um, jeez Right, or uh, maybe it was pre-pandemic. I don't oh, know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, are there masks? Have, have you seen anyone wear a mask, like walking around or anything? Not that I can recall. So maybe it was pre-pandemic. Not that I can recall, but um, it's an interesting show. Just to see some of the, the items that they go looking for. Like I said, the purple gear was interesting. Because uh, I didn't know he wore it for that short a period of time. Or like yeah, uh, the urn or... Yeah, that's like an iconic gear. Yeah. The purple stuff. He only wore it two um, years. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look. I, I didn't know he wore it for that short period of time. But, like, they had... What did they have on there? They had, like, um, Andy Kaufman's neck brace they found. Or, <laughs> uh, the Unabomb gear, Kane's Unabomb gear, when he was a Smoky oh, Mountains. Hey, it was He was one in one. Uh, USWA like that, too, right? Or was he, like, doing so. Doomsday there or something? Maybe. But they, the, the Unabomb gear, they definitely had that. And they found that. He was in, it was in Kane's attic, which is an easy place to find it. They had, what was it? Booker T's King Booker rope that he wore one time when he lost to Triple H at SummerSlam in 07. Uh, and that was, I think, the last appearance of King Booker. So the rope he wore one time, they found that somewhere or whatever. But, you know, it's an interesting show. Mm-hmm. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they're eventually going to build up to, because they're collecting these items it's like we want them on display for everybody to see. It's like, well, they're in your warehouse, so nobody's seeing them, <laughs> unless you go to WrestleMania and they have them display at like yeah. the access. So it's like they have to have something else in store for all this stuff. And I think it's going to lead up to a physical brick and mortar WWE Hall of Fame. Awesome. It has to. Yeah, there's no other. Like, how are you going to run this TV series and then like not have anyone see these things in person? Right, except like, fans for like a couple days out of the year. Yeah. So at WrestleMania every year, which is stupid because not everyone goes that. there. Like not everyone's going to exactly. go there. You know, I'm never going to go. I'm not going to travel for WrestleMania. I'm going to wait till it comes to Philly, damn it, or North Jersey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> not New York, North Jersey. North Jersey, damn it. Give Jersey go, some love. If they go to MSG, I'll go. That'd be cool. But I've never been in MSG not, by the way. I would love to be there for like a wrestling event. But 
They're not going to be a WrestleMania there, so don't worry about oh, that. Come on, they, <laughs> There's they not have be a to. There. They have to. They're not. They're not. They've had twenty plus years to do they it. Could do, do it. They could do the two nighter thing at MSG. No, nah, they're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> the two night <laughs> gimmick. <laughs> they do the two night gimmick at MetLife <laughs> before they do that MSG. But um, I think I think it might lead up to that. I mean, I haven't heard any scuttlebutt about that, but I can see that being the case. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense to have all this stuff and only put it on display like four right. days a year. Right. For like you said, only how many people go to WrestleMania every year? You know, maybe I mean maybe a hundred thousand if you count the people that go to the show and the people that go to the independent show right. and the people yeah. that uh, live in the town that you know is hosting it. That's you know, there's millions of wrestling fans out there. So I don't know. But that's an interesting interesting little tidbit about Undertaker's gear on this night. Also, he did not make an entrance, which is odd, sorta, because he usually makes a big grand entrance, but uh he just appeared in the ring behind Gold Dust and got things popping <laughs> and started and ready to go. The superstar tapings uh, running running late. Come on, let's go. Maybe. Maybe get people home. Um Interesting thing about Goldust, though, this was the night after he kissed Ahmed Johnson <laughs> while he was on the stretcher. Yeah, and they showed the highlights of that, and uh, yeah, I forgot about that for a little bit. So yeah, I didn't realize how many times he did. I thought he just did it once, but no, he did no. it like three or four times. It's like oh, he got damn. in there, bro. <laughs> he got in there, and apparently Ahmed Johnson. I think I heard he was shoot mad about that. Well, I mean, Whatever, he took forever to get up. He could have got up after the first one. He could have like, been got well, up. Why do, you, why do you stay there? Like, could have been got up. The JR so. called it sick and hideous. <laughs> yeah, sexual assault. So, yeah. <laughs> call it that. Call it what it is. Sexual assault. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss somebody unwillingly uh, against their will, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, we, this is a match. I mean. Yeah, nothing. By the way, there, there was a. Uh, Something happened in the match. Undertaker threw Goldust over the top rope, over the casket, and he's kind of like, oh, scared of the casket type thing, and he starts walking away. And a fan, did you see the fan slap him on the head? Yeah, that fan, I think, almost hit Undertaker too. But he definitely slapped Goldust in the head. Imagine that today. That fan would be gone. Like, <laughs> like snatched that, up. You, we would see it either on TV or whatever. He'd be gone. Like, escorted out or whatever like and that happened a lot back in the day the fans used to touch the wrestlers a lot and i missed this the first time i didn't really like he literally slapped him on the head like he like he wasn't even in the front row like you see him come up to do it and then like he's there's like this walkway or whatever there's not even seats there it's like where the hell this guy come from and why is he touching like slapping gold dust's head like I, i just i find it incredible that in this time frame fans did that stuff all the way up to like the really early 2000s and then finally you know after i guess vince could focus on ring security you know it stopped happening where fans would always touch the the wrestlers and they had more space to work with they you know put the other barriers up and they maybe they expanded the uh the area around the ring a little bit so the fans weren't that close the fans aren't even close near the stage anymore you know the ramp so 
they have plenty of room to work with now without worrying about getting touched by fans. This is pre-pandemic. So, uh, yeah, I just that stood out to me so much. I was like, this fan just like came up and slapped him on the head. And there was like no security at all. <laughs> it's crazy. I did notice that. Uh, yeah, just different time, man. Same thing with like Big Show or the Giant smoking a cig <laughs> while he's walking to the ring in WCW. Oh, it's man. like back to a time where people can just smoke indoors. That's right. Can't do that no more. People will look at you so crazy if you're smoking indoors now. What? Sir, what are you doing? Put that cigarette out. So, just a <laughs> like different time Gene back Oakley. in the day. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I knew that got that somewhere. He was, he was, uh, he was on uh, top he was, of it before anyone else. <laughs> this was, yeah, this was uh, after Royal Rumble 92, and he's yeah. just talking off screen. Put that cigarette out. Yeah. <laughs> Who was he talking to? Who had the cigarette? Like what the hell was going on there? Like he's right. he's Why interviewing Ric Flair, who just won the WWF title in the Royal Rumble, and then he does that. Like what the hell? <laughs> Put that cigarette out. <laughs> Even Gene Oakland was against smoking indoors back in '92. You know, <laughs> so you knew it was it was over with for smokers right. indoors. It's just just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. Just a matter of time. Uh, back to this match, though. We got Gold Dust hitting a tombstone on the Undertaker. How many people get did that back in the day? Mm. Um, Undertaker sat right up, though. It didn't he do didn't. any effect to him. No, not at all. Uh, Undertaker hit a tombstone of his own. Uh, and was about to put gold dust inside of the gold casket, which I thought was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mankind was in the casket. Uh-oh. He gets up out the casket, attacks the Undertaker, puts him in the mandible claw, puts Undertaker in the casket, and closes it to give gold dust an unlikely win. Over the Undertaker in a casket match. Undertaker lost so, so many casket matches. It's like crazy. He did. Oh, yeah, he did. Because he, he lost to Yokozuna in a casket match, right? <laughs> yeah. Then he yeah. lost to Shawn Michaels a couple years later in a casket yeah. match. <laughs> That's true. I take that back now. <laughs> he won I a lot. I mean, he beat Kamala. He beat Mabel. Beat Mark but, Henry, eventually. Oh, yeah, Mark Henry. That Yeah, that's right. Like, but casket matches are not... The Undertaker's uh, best match. It was always a good way to write him off TV, apparently, too. Was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. And so, a good way to get that Mankind-Undertaker feud going. I think their first match yes. was a kick in the ring. So, They had a normal match. Then they had the yes. Boiler Room Brawl yep. and then the Barrett Alive. Right. Yeah. And then another one at Survivor Series, which was like Paul Bearer and the Shark Cage. So they had like quite a series of matches just in 96. Right. And Mankind beat Undertaker at King of the Ring, which was like, whoa. Straight up match, he beat him. Mm. That was rare. So, yeah, I, I wrote that down. Like, the match was fine, but it was just a really a good way to further the feud between Mankind and the Undertaker that would take up the rest of the year, pretty much, in 96. Um, before the ma- the show was over, the casket would become, like, consumed in smoke. Yeah. And where the smoke was, became bellowing, you know, someone's, started bellowing out of it. Someone's smoking inside the casket. And Gene Ogre's like, what the right. hell? What the hell is going on? Put that cigarette out. Like Gene Oakland said. Paul Bear opens the casket, and Undertaker has vanished. He acts like he doesn't know where he went. Like he, Paul Bear, you know where exactly where he is. Shut up. Paul Bear was hysterical at this point. Oh, fake. where did he go? He's gone. Where is he? Where's my Undertaker? <laughs> What? <laughs> you don't like my Paul Bear? Oh, I love it. 
I love it. We're putting it in the intro. We're putting it at the end of the show. <laughs> your Donnie Wahlberg and your Paul Bear is the best. Oh my god! <laughs> Where did he go? Where's my Undertaker? He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he <laughs> uh, he, he would do the voice, but it's still his southern accent sometimes would come through still. Yeah. It's like, come on, Paul, you know where he is. Like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that is Beware of Dog, dog. which they One somehow <laughs> Right, they somehow got through and delivered on all these matches. It took three days and a severe thunderstorm. But what they got there. So any final thoughts on Beware of Dog 1 oh, and man. 2? <laughs> uh, I just I remember thinking it was weird, like, Shawn Michaels' first couple of matches. Like, Diesel made sense. And obviously, I didn't realize he was going to show up in WCW, like, the next month. So I was just kind of like, okay, this is weird that he's now, like, feuding with Bulldog, who literally just had, like, a pay-per-view main event match against Bret Hart when he was the champion, and he lost. Then he lost to Diesel, and... It's like, why is Bulldog always in these main events? And it was just kind of weird for me because I never viewed him as like a main eventer type, you know, at, at that point. And to find out, like, he basically quit the company, it's just like, oh, like because of the storyline. It's just like, why continue it? I don't even remember if they continued that womanizer type story to King of the Ring, but they had a match at King of the Ring where Sean won. So, and then they went to, you know, the July in your house where Vader pinned him to lead to SummerSlam. So I don't know like what the reasoning behind putting him with Bulldog was like Bulldog. Was he like the, the best guy at the time or was it just about the storyline? Like I just didn't understand it, but you know, Sean wasn't in a great place either. So uh, I'm sure he didn't understand it either. Yeah. I don't know what the hell was going on with that. That was bizarre. Uh, the show uh, unfortunate that the Mother Nature didn't cooperate. I'm sure that messed up the whole rhythm and timing of the show. But I thought just for a a standalone pay-per-view, not great. But as a show that would further stories, it was decent. As far as furthering, yeah. getting Ted DiBiase away from Steve Austin, furthering that Undertaker Mankind story, the show served its purpose. Is You know... It, you can't. You almost can't even judge some of these shows on their own because in your houses, especially in the beginning, were just like like you said, fifteen dollars shows that were two hours. They were specials, but they weren't like the big shows like King of the Ring, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, Rumble, SummerSlam, yeah. where big things would happen. A lot of times, it would just be furthering a story. So that's what you saw on this night. So it was okay. And again. It sucks that, uh, you know, the uh, weather didn't cooperate, but it is what it is. So, with that said, let's wrap it up for episode 284 of the Straight Shooters. Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. Uh, we got John Moxley and Eddie Kingston wrestling the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. A double or nothing. How about that? How about that? You can follow me at Nick McCone on Twitter and follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter, and you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash shooters radio you can listen to this podcast at philly influencer.com philly and i did join 
you know, last second, I joined Fox Sports The Gambler with John Jansen Friday, this past Friday night. We went over WrestleMania Backlash. Uh, there was like a pool that was just put up Friday afternoon. So the timing with this whole WWE and DraftKings uh, partnership is kind of it's like kind of crazy because the pools aren't up, you know, early enough for us to talk about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to bring you more content on, on that stuff on Fox Sports The Gambler at some point. But uh, check us out. We'll definitely check out SummerSlam weekend. Uh, so hopefully we have some news uh, for that coming shortly. But uh, SummerSlam weekend, you know, we're hoping that, uh, you know, same type of stuff we did with WrestleMania. So uh, keep that in your back pocket. All right, WrestleMania Backlash, one of the worst pay-per-view names of all time. Nah, so. nah. I mean, stupid. You know, you had SummerSlam Spectacular on TV. You had Survivor Series Showdown on TV. This was no different than Peacock. Just wanting uh, more people to watch. I'm cool with it. That was it. Was stupid. It's not great balls of fire. Come on. I said that one of the worst, not the worst. <laughs> just I can't wait for King of the Ring Money in the Bank next. <laughs> Dude, that's perfect. Or No Mercy Judgment Day. Money King in the Ring Bank. Wow. Love it. We're going to get Survivor CLC Series. <laughs> All right. Summer Mania Slam, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. But I'm at Von M. Johnson on Twitter. You can't find me there. You can find me out here in these streets. Uh, a little bit more than I have been in the last year, at least. Because your boy is fully vaccinated and enjoying the spoils of life somewhat again. Uh, you can find my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Going to have some good stuff coming up in the near future. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash radio. You can subscribe to some exclusive content and make a request for a future deep dive. We're going to get back into those requests very soon. We promise. Okay, we're just going to cover some different things here and there. But we've got some requests coming down the pike. And if you want to make your request, go subscribe for the nominal fee of two bucks. And we shall fulfill that request. Also, we'll invite you on the show. Drop by for a couple minutes, maybe five minutes or so. And give your thoughts on the content that we're deep diving into. Again, it doesn't have to be a wrestling show necessarily. It could be a movie. It can be a TV show. It could be, I don't know, there's a music video out there or something. Whatever it is. As long as it's wrestling related, we will deep dive into it and we'll have a good time. So join us again, patreon.com slash shooters radio. Check us out. Nominal fee of two bucks. But until next time, for Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 284 of the Straight Shooters. And we'll catch you all again next week. Listen to the Straight Shooters. This Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Pacone at the Straight Shooters, y'all.